Hey guys, this is Kurt from the MFG Cast, and you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Hello and welcome to the Legends of Tabletop podcast. We've got a random BS session tonight. We're going to be talking about board games and RPG gaming. Uh, we have one other, uh, I was going to say host, I guess we could call him a host, uh, coming, showing up. But of course, he's always late. So you can gather it's one of two people who are regularly on the show. But tonight I've got two other people who are already here. Sean, take it away. Uh, hi, Sean Epperson from Think 12 Games, and uh, I'm, yeah, just here chilling with uh, one of my good friends, John. And I'm Kurt, founder and co-host of the MFG Cast. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and Kurt is a super regular, or at least as regular as we can get our fear game in. <laughs> it's usually not my fault, so I actually, I feel pretty good about that, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. so i i think it's been like almost a year since we've gotten together to do very similar pops as it turns out i think our 158 was kick ass and play games and you guys were on and we talked about board games so 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 maybe we just make this like a yearly thing (laughs) there we go anniversary (laughs) right all right, well, I'm going to steal a little bit from Kurt in the MFG cast, and then we'll do like a, you know, a now playing. Uh, so, Sean, what have you been playing lately? What what cool things are you uh, getting to the table? Uh, actually, quite a few things. So I have to jump to my BGG list here to look at stuff I've been playing. <laughs> um, probably the, so the, some of the cooler things I've played, uh, we actually got to play Imperial? Imperial? Uh, Spells in Steam. So uh, that is a, it's a train game. It's pretty new. And it's by level 99. So normally a lot of their games are um, either card based or kind of like lower scope as far as like how much space they take up with one exception. Um, This is a game where you're basically putting out these uh, futuristic looking trains in this world. Uh, You're trying to gather resources so you can uh, generate some spells and get more effects. You've got this giant board uh, you've got these giant cities that are out, and if you can deliver certain amounts of resources to the cities, and you can collect these point cards, uh, it's a huge game. And the game comes in a box that's just massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually sent it to us for a review, and we and I'm not a huge fan of train games in general, but I really dug this because it was sort of like action programming. Uh, because as you get these spells, they're actually the spells are cars that you're adding to your train line. So there are all these actions that you can take, but you take them in a sequential order. So as you get new ones, you can you slot them in and you decide, well, do I want this to be in the third row or the fourth row? Because you're doing all these columns of actions. It's really cool. It's really, really puzzly and thinky. And and uh, there's a little bit of take that. Uh, of course, that was one of the cars that I picked up and allowed me to blow up another person's car whenever I chose <laughs> that action. Like, oh, you, got, you just bought that. Guess what? It's gone now. <laughs> nice. so that's been really cool. That's weird that that level 99 games decided to go from 
their smaller like card skirmish games to something big and massive in a train game of all things. Yeah, I mean it's still it's in the world of oh gosh, what's that other like they've got one of the massive games that's card based and I can't I'm spacing on the name. Um, but it's in that that same world. Ah, I see. It's you know kind of like a a little bit of anime you know look to it as far as that that goes. But yeah, I'm trying to think of what that is. I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't. No, not Sunday Real. It's a different one. But uh, the other thing I thought was really cool about this is you've got just tons and tons and tons of stuff, and of course reboxing all that's kind of a pain in the butt. However, they actually include a sheet. And it tells you specifically, okay, put these things in this spot, and these things go here, and then you layer these tiles on top of this. It, like the rule book was really good. Uh, the insert showed you exactly how to put it away. It was just everything was super well thought out. I was just blown away by how good it was. That's cool. I feel like everybody should do that. God, I'm so sick of like we did that because we're we did a uh, we got our basement finished as you can tell in the back here and. And uh, just hauling out some of those games, and they're like, "Oh my god, why is this game so like so like it's just terribly like you know just busting at the seams, you know?" And you open it up, and you're going, "What happened here?" You know, it's just like, <laughs> like somebody dropped a bomb in this little box, you know. And then you, you try to put it back together, and you're like, "What the hell's going on here? I can't even put it back together." You know? Yeah, I was really concerned. Like when we opened up, like man, there's a lot of stuff that's not. Because everything comes in bags, and you got to like punch boards and all that kind of stuff. Like, is all this going to go back in there? But it totally does very easily, and they specifically show you exactly how it's done. So, yeah, awesome. good on them. Very cool. cool. What about you, Kurt? What have you been playing? Uh, playing a couple things actually. We're the we actually are going to have a review coming out tomorrow for a game called The Astute Goose, which is kind of <laughs> it's funny because. It, when you hear that kind of name, you're going, "Okay, is that a children's game? What is this game?" But it's a uh, it's an actual. It's actually part of the Thames and Cosmos Brainwave series, where it actually there's three different games and they um, help with your memory. And uh, we've had a nice little partnership with uh, Thames and Cosmos. We've reviewed some of their games, and uh, somebody, uh, someone that works for them, sent out something and said, "Is there any of these that looks good f- to you?" You know, and uh, I actually was looking at, usually I just kind of skim through and I look at a name and I go, this is the name I want. Well, I decided to read everything this time, which is probably good. Um, but, uh, and I saw Brainwaves. I'm like, that's interesting. What is this about? And it's it's a series of games where, yeah, like I said, it's, it's scientists approved and it actually helps different parts of your memory. And for in this astute goose, it's basically you have a lineup and you're trying to th- pick out uh, a certain thing in the lineup so it's like random dude with a little like criminal old school criminal mask on and then you have to pick out one of three things if you roll these dice um so uh one of them is you pick out a color of their shirt you pick out um like he's this guy's either wearing wearing something is another one of the things is what is he wearing like a scarf or like a necklace or like a tie bow tie something like that and then the other thing is you have to figure out you have to remember what kind of animal he's holding or what's on him basically so it's like a rat with a little criminal mask or like a goose with a criminal (laughs) mask and stuff like that and depending upon the difficulty you have you put uh, cards one through six or you can stack them up and then have smaller lineups so you can try to remember less but each time you just you look at them, and then you flip them over, and then each time you roll, 
you roll a number and then the article or animal or whatever, and then you have to pick whatever, whatever column and then pick what that is and then say what it is. So it's like, if it's a, you know, a striped shirt, you have to remember striped shirt. And yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. I it got my attention because I have a terrible short-term memory. Like I, like literally I just, I walk into another room, I go, what am I doing here? What did I come here for? You know, it's not like, it's not super concerning, but sometimes it does when I, you know, even doing this, even doing our podcast, like every <laughs> once in a while, I'll just, I'll start talking to somebody and I'll be like, Oh shit. I totally forgot what I was going to ask you, you know? And then mm -hmm. it's embarrassing. Cause it's like, I have this person on, I had these things written down or maybe I just had something in my head and then all of a sudden it just blanks out. So I thought, well, this will be interesting to see how this works, you know? And uh, the one that I actually, the one actually we reviewed is done by Reiner Canizia of all people. And I was oh, like, wow, he actually is doing something that's, you know, a little more brainy and stuff like that. I'm not that saying that he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm sure he's a smart man, but it, it was just, it was a cool, cool little fun game. It, it cost fairly cheap. It cost about the same as buying a exit game. So yeah, it was fun. I'm sure he's smart. He's only a doctor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, one of one of many things, I'm sure. Yeah, but, but and you said you were playing a couple other things as well. Yeah, and then we got to uh, we got actually got a review of Stellar Leap by um, Weird Draft Games too. It's actually that game I actually uh, played the prototype of that back when we went to our first Gen Con in 2015, and uh, for some reason, never picked it up. I always wanted to, and I never did. And she's like, you know, Carla was looking for reviewers. And I was like, yeah, I'd like to play this. This is a Forex space game where you're trying to mine slash populate in space and stuff like that. It's really fun. So, yeah, it was fun to do that, too. So Cool. Yeah. And our missing host is showing up. So who, do we, who else do we have here tonight? You have Jesse. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much. <laughs> What do you I showed up right on Jesse time. Yeah, well, so we debated on whether or not we should wait or whether or not we should start. And I was like, eh, we'll just start. We'll slot them in somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you playing these days? Uh, um, let's see. About halfway through, finally pay, playing uh, Charterstone, which is only like five or six years old. <laughs> <laughs> but it took us forever uh and i believe the the last time that we all got together i was playing uh the pandemic legacy season two and we finally finished that and now we move on to another legacy game so <laughs> and i cool. have i have uh a bunch of other old games sitting on my shelf like dixit that i i just picked up even though that's like a decade old almost but that's right. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think right now I need I need games that I can also play with my kids. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you saying, Sean? Uh, I would say when when it comes to legacy games, you get a pass for them. You know, coming into them late or you know whenever because they take so long. Like mm -hmm. trying to like get a dedicated group together and all that. Like, yeah, I, I've yeah. got Gloomhaven and we've been able to get one oh. playthrough. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I have, we have uh, a few people that we play with on a regular basis, but we only, we, we are able to get together like once a month. And so you play one or two games if you're lucky. And when you're talking a legacy game, you know, you're playing 
12, 13, 15 games. So it takes that many months for us to get through an entire game. So, And then there's pressure to play that game when they come over because they're like, shit, well, if we don't do it this time, when are we going to do it? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I uh, I recently I've asked you guys uh, Sean and and Kurt about uh, Gold West and and I think War Chest as well. I wound up picking them both up and uh, they're both really fun. Uh, we've been playing quite a bit of that in the last week or so. Uh, Gold West is a nice. It's a medium weight Euro game. You're prospectors. You're collecting resources and there's a, a Mancala mechanism where you're uh, taking those resources, which are metals, gold, silver, and copper, and also building materials. And you cycle them through your bins and whichever bin you choose, they're, you know, zero at the top and three at the bottom. So if you put them at the bottom, you get more points as you start cycling them up. Um, but it takes you longer to have access to those resources. And each turn you activate your track. So you'll move your, your resources up and then you either build or loot. Uh, and if you don't have building materials, you have to loot, which is then negative points on the board. You still get the resources, but you don't take that coin and flip it to your player board. So like if I took a, a gold resource, which, you know, maybe had three gold, uh, you know, resource units on it, I'd put that on my player board and that's how much influence I would have in gold, you know, in the gold market, I guess, uh, when you loot it, it coin just goes back in the box. So you don't get that influence because you don't have your camp or a settlement built in that area. And then there's a little boomtown section, you know, kind of like when you go in with your gold and you trade it in at the, you know, little town. Um, and it has different end, end game scoring bonuses. So like uh, it may be you get an extra point if you have your camps built next to an opponent's camp, or if you have your camps built around the, the, the lake in the center or if you have all your um, your your tents built uh, on the outside edge of the board, so there's you know it's it's a point smorgasbord, um, which, which is a lot of fun. It plays pretty quick. It plays in a little less than an hour. Of course, I've only played it with two because that's our normal you know normal routine, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And it, you know, Jesse, that's five years old. Came out in fifteen. So. Um, <laughs> You know, it's just one of those things where, like, you you know, you see a game somewhere, somebody posts something on Twitter or Instagram, or you you know, get into a conversation. Oh, we played, you know, blah blah blah. I'm like, oh, let me do some research. Let me watch some videos. Let's, you know, what is this game about? And you know, oh, it's five years old. Okay, well, I guess I missed the boat. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, with a it. good, with a well-designed board game, time doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, and there's only 32 million board games out there, so you're not going to play right. every single one unless you're Sean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got 14 shipments this week. I know, right? <laughs> uh, guilty. <laughs> For sure. Well, so, so that really kind of leads to the question of of this you know, cult of the new for, for board games and stuff. And the, you know, this fear of missing out with like Kickstarter and things like that. Um, it, it seems endemic to board gaming. I like, you know, affects people in other aspects as well, but it, it seems really like to the forefront for board gaming. What, what do you, as a designer, Sean, what do you, what do you think that is? Um, I think it's, partially like kind of an attention span thing. Like people always like the new and shiny. I mean, that's just like psychology in general. People yeah, like yeah. new things. Right. And the newest thing that you can, 
possibly think of is anything on Kickstarter because that's like that's the bleeding edge. That's mm-hmm. the stuff that's coming out that nobody's really had a chance. And so there's there's a bit of mystery there, like, ooh, what kind of things are gonna be going on there? It looks cool, like that's a theme I like, or you know, that's a minis game that I'm really interested in. So I, I think there's always that that interest of of wanting to know that curiosity like oh i bet that's really cool that kind of keeps driving that forward um and the fact that people are pretty much with very few rare exceptions guaranteed to get whatever they back on kickstarter so you're not worried about like you know backing some video game like kickstarter and five years later it might come to fruition uh, <laughs> if they weren't able you know manage to you know plan correctly well, likely not, you know, it's going to spiral out of control. Like, hey, great, five years later, it's nothing. So, yeah, I think that's that's part of it. Yeah. Kurt, you have any? Well, you know, speaking primarily as a podcaster, like, you know, it, it, it was something back back when we first started. I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to keep up with this. You know, it's just like, got to play every new game. Blah, 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 blah. It's like... I, we're not the dice tower we don't have you know money to spend and we don't we can't you know this isn't our regular job i actually have a job that i have to do this is something that i'm actually doing for a hobby but i'm also spending money i'm actually going the opposite way so it's like <laughs> i'm going to do exactly what i'm going to you know what i want to do and it, it was a hard lesson to learn but it's one of those that like un- uh fortunately i would say like FOMO is is something that I don't is not as prevalent with me anymore because it's like I'm not gonna get every single thing out there, you know, and we're just gonna, you know, we're gonna do exactly what we're gonna do and we're gonna do it at a pace that we like to do it, you know. And we've even told I've even had to, you know, tell some companies that it's like, you know, we're not gonna be able to get this out in like two two or three weeks. Like I actually like want to play it on a consistent basis and play it as many times as I could play it or we could play it to where we can come up with a good, you know, review for it. You know, I, I just don't want to play it once or twice and then go, I think I have it, you know, and then, yeah. you know, come to, you know, reviewing it, which believe me, I have done. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you go, you listen to it back and you go, I didn't talk half about, you know, half as much as our, you know, I could have talked twice as much about this as I did, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, you know, it, I've had to go back and say, you know, this is why we're doing it. We're doing this for you to give you the best re- review on it, you know. And so, like, even like, you know, talk just talking about reviewing that Stellar Leap, like, that game is four years old, you know, or, you know, whatever, however old it is. And it's like that, even though it's not a newish game, it's one of those games that, probably there might be some people out there that haven't heard of it. So it's going to be new to them, you know? So it's going to be something where it's like, I didn't even know this thing existed. And then they're going to find it and they're going to be like, this is exactly down my alley. And then I'm going to buy it and play it. And then that's, it's going to be their new thing. It doesn't have to be something that's, you know, 2020. So. Right. And and I guess Jesse, you're not worried about FOMO. You just picked up a 15 year old board game. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. But no, I mean, I still, I, I have, I have the urge, you know, I still watch, I listen to the podcast and watch the YouTube channels and I see all the Kickstarter releases and, you know, it's there, there is a lot out there and it can be, especially for a person who wants to try to be on the current, you know, the current edge of board gaming. It's a lot. (laughs) It's, you know, it used to be, you know, 10 years ago, 
it used to be whatever was on the shelf of your local gaming store or Walmart or Target or something, you know. Right. But all of a sudden, you know, with the with the huge boost in Kickstarter, we are getting a lot of different games now, and a lot of people, you know, who the mainstream probably wouldn't have attached to because they want to they'd want to take the risk on it, and it's really paid off. But at the same time. You know, going into a store and seeing one game, one new game a month is a lot different than going on Kickstarter and seeing the 30 games that are currently going to be closing in the next week. You know, yeah, yeah. It was like eBay when eBay first started. Everybody was watching auctions and jumping in and outbidding. Mm-hmm. I, I went, you know, went through that whole phase too. It wasn't Borky, it's just like whatever random shit, but you know, you have that, that same sort of impetus do you do you find it um as maybe more of an rpg player do you you know because you get into that thing of you know well i'm gonna buy this rpg i know i'm never gonna play just Mm -hmm. because i want to read you know the fluff or i want to check out the mechanics or maybe there's something that i can pull from you know this game to throw in you know something that i'm running do you feel that pull a little bit more for for tabletop oh absolutely i have you know i I tend not to do a lot of um, hardcovers with RPGs anymore, uh, maybe because just storage is a pain. But I have nearly unlimited storage on my computer, <laughs> so <laughs> I have you know I go and I go and buy PDFs of games all the time, and knowing full well I will never play this. But I, you know RPGs are a little different than board games because at least. You know, if I buy this book, I might be able to use some aspect of it. I can steal some mechanics or steal some world concepts and everything like that. So I find at least a little use for them here and there when I buy them. But yeah, I could I could never imagine having to actually like build a a, a hardcover collection or a board game collection or anything like that. The money that would go into that. I bow to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found myself I, I, picking up a lot of games more from like the older time recently. Like, oh really? Uh, Stefan Feld's Luna uh, mm. was from 2010, and that's a new one that I, well, new one that I got <laughs> uh, just because there's a lot of older stuff that I haven't played or or whatever, and I'm I'm wanting to look and see like what are they doing in that game? What sort of mechanics have that we're seeing now that have spawned from those and you know what are some interesting takeaways that i could be applying to you know my own designs and uh you know different experiences that i can have so i I think there's a lot of stuff from the past that people have either overlooked or sort of forgotten about and actually i'm starting to see a little bit of that online as well like some people talking about oh yeah we're playing we're playing older games today or we're playing you know games from that are in our collection that we haven't played in five years or whatever Mm -hmm. like it's almost sort of like a little bit of a, a pushback from the new hotness. Like, let's go check out the old hotness again. <laughs> <laughs> have yes, there yeah. any been? Yeah, have there ever been times where you've picked up a you know a an older game to study the mechanics of it to uh, possibly not? I don't I don't know the right word. Not exploit, but to to progress to progress a mechanic that maybe hasn't been. Um, really looked into further you know i know there's a lot of games that'll come out and then all of a sudden like you'll see like a bunch of games that kind of start to mimic that has there ever been a game that you've picked up 
and said, you know what, that actually hasn't really been looked into yet that maybe you could develop further? Uh, let me think. Um, some of the ones that I'm thinking of are the ones that actually have had bigger production values, mm -hmm. uh, like, oh gosh, um, the big waterfall, uh, I'm spacing on the name, uh, Niagara uh, was a game, I think it was like 2010 or 2011, something around there. And the way that was designed the, was basically you've got these little canoes that are on these plastic discs and the whole board, the box and everything, mm. the board comes out, sits on top of the box and you've got a little waterfall that cascades off the end of the box. Mm. And so you're moving your, your boats on these clear pieces of, of acrylic mm. that are sitting in the middle of this river. And then as a river tile gets pushed off, then you add it to the blowing river mechanic like this is really cool that i haven't really seen any other games that are doing you know that that level of of production as far as like you know this this physical element that's you know present in the game and allowing you to to interact with it in this way so i've been looking at things like that nice that's pretty cool oh uh, yeah i i get I like certain mechanics in games and things like that. So like, you know, when I see stuff, I think we've talked about this maybe before, but like when Santorini first came out and everybody was, you know, posting pictures I'm like, Oh, this is great. Oh, you got to check this out. And I'm like, what, like, what is that? Like, I don't, okay. It's kind of cool. You can manipulate the pieces. I guess it's whatever, right. It's like tic-tac-toe. And, you know, I, you know, finally watched some, some videos and stuff and the, the, uh, the game store, I, Isle of Games is my local place that I go to. Um, you know, they had it and they had it on the use table for like 25 bucks. And I'm like, hey, you know, for 25 bucks, I'll get it. Like, it's not going to make me or break me one way or the other. And it's it's a lot of fun. I love it. <laughs> we played yeah. the shit out of it when we first picked it up. Um, so I, 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 don't, I, I don't ever fall into that like, oh, look at that thing on Kickstarter. Like, I have to have that right away. Because um, for me, it's it's like a mechanics and a theme thing and like, I almost never walk into the store and walk out with a game because I'll look and be like, oh, that looks interesting. Let me go home and watch 10 videos and see whether or not I think I might like that one. Right. <laughs> so, you know, like Gold West was, you know, five years old. I think uh, War Chest is at least a couple of years old at this point. Um, one of the favorites I've picked up, not so recently, but recently, uh, Porta Nigra. Somebody posted on Twitter. They're like, hey, Cool Stuff has this for like $8. Then I'm like, fuck it, for $8, I'll buy it. Like, if it sucks, <laughs> I'll take it up to the store and I'll get more in credit than I'm going to pay for it, you know? And it's great. It's so much fun. It's one of the Stronghold um, the classic series or uh, designer mm. series, I think. Um, and it's great. Oh, it's so much fun. And it's funny. It's... Uh, oh, I'm off screen. It's, <laughs> it's uh, Wolfgang Kramer and Michael Kiesling. Well, I picked up Torres which, you know, I'm opening it up and it has the same pieces, although they're a little bit bigger. I got the new version. And I'm like, fuck, wow, these pieces are like exactly the same. And then I looked at the box and I'm like, oh, it's the same designers. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really cool. That one's been a lot of fun too. That was a recent pickup as well. And I, you know, I don't even know how old that old, it's an old game. Um, I mean, it's on a, you know, second printing now, or you know, reissue. So like, Good games are good games. I, th I think Sean, you'd said it, right? Yeah. 
I mean, and, and we sort of forget, you know, some of those things because we're too busy chasing the new stuff. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the new stuff. I like the new stuff as well, but uh, it's worthwhile to go back and, and take a look at the things that we kind of skipped over because your tastes change, right? Your, yeah. your experience and what you're going to enjoy is going to evolve and change. Like when I first started, you know, playing games, board games, like in a more serious fashion, there's no way I would have ever played a, a Euro like, hey, do you want to play a Euro game? No, I'm out, you know, yeah. hard pass. <laughs> and now I'm, you know, I'm picking up Stefan Feld games, which, you know, you know, playing Great Western Trail and stuff like that. Like, you know, far more crunchy, heavier games, maybe like lighter on theme, things like that, that I never would have. So there's definitely a growth. So revisiting mm. things is worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. And I think always, I think trying things that, that not might not necessarily fit what you think might fit your style too. Sometimes really can be something cool because like we've talked about this in the past, like uh, we went to a small con a couple of years ago and, and one of the guys we had actually played, uh, he had taught us or, well, it was one of those games where it was like a teach how to play. It was like a, it was a newer version of mall madness. So if anybody remembers the mm. old nineties mall madness with the chitchen store and stuff like that, like it had an updated version and this guy taught it to us and we played it and it was a lot of fun. And Logan liked it so much. He's like, this game is so much fun. And it's just so dumb. You're just going and, you know, trying to get as you know, many things from different stores and stuff like that. And this one has actually like talks and stuff like that. So it was fun. And the guy came by and gave, it had an extra copy that was just old and beat up and gave it to Logan. He's so, so excited about it. And then eventually later on, he had come and pulled us aside and he's like, you guys look like you're bored. You want to play a game? We're like, yeah, sure. You know, guys seem nice enough, you know, and he's has this bag of games and he's like, yeah, you know, what do you feel like playing? And we're like, we haven't heard any of these that he talked about, you know, <laughs> and he pulled out a game called San Marco, which is a little lesser known game by Alan moon who, and uh, we were like, wow, Alan Moon made this game? You know, that's interesting. I, we didn't know he made anything other than, uh, uh, what is it, Ticket to Ride? That he, is that is one of the games that, am I being dumb? Is that, that's him, right? Sean would know <laughs> anybody. Yeah, <I'm> like, <laughs> certainly not me. I'm literally looking at Sean. And he's <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hitting you with you. Okay. But anyway, um, so... We're playing this game and it's a it's like a territory game where you're it's an I cut you choose mechanic. And I'd never you know, I'd kind of heard of it, but I'd never played a game where it's the I cut you choose thing and you have to, you know, figure out, you know, you know, do you really want this one good thing or you know, there's a bunch of little uh, bunch of other little things that you could get, you know, for that for that side. And it was just it was one of the in the and the game looks boring. I mean, it, it's it's because it's old. It's got it's got that it's got that Milton Bradley kind of just like old yeah. school like uh snore, you know. But like it really it was a phenomenal game. And I was like, God, I love this eye cut you choose mechanic. And there, and even these days, I feel like there's not that many games that have that mm. mechanic. So it's, it's cool to be able to just discover something that's like I didn't even think I liked this game, and now it's like. It's it's a game that's out of print, and you go on, you know, you find it on eBay for like one hundred and eighty nine dollars. No, thank you. I'll wait until, you know, somebody is sick of having it in their collection and sells it for like forty bucks or whatever. So. Yeah. But yeah. Have you played Hina Makoji before? Because it has a similar aspect, and you know, you'll you have the little four chips in front of you, and you have four different actions you can do, and two of them are 
you put down three cards and your opponent chooses one and you keep two. And then the other one is you put four cards out in two pairs and your opponent takes a pair and you keep a pair. And then the oh, yeah. two, and it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good game and I, I, I love it and I hate it. Cause it's like, <laughs> don't, like I don't want to give you any of these. Cards. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You only get to bury or, or, you know, keep place one of your own cards. You only get to keep and play one. Everything else is just, just back and forth and it's, oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's a game out there that we talked about a while ago too. It's called sword crafters and you're actually crafting swords out of literal oh, pieces, yeah, but yeah. it's a, it's an I cut you choose thing too. So it's like, but it, it cuts it in such a certain way that it's different from the regular I cut you choose thing. But yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, I don't want to give you all these blue pieces to get more points. You know, I'll just chunk it out here and do this. You know, it's, yeah, it, it's an interesting it's hate drafting mechanic. at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly what it is. It's like, I don't want it. I don't want you to have this one, but I also do not want you to have this one. <laughs> Yeah, what's the lesser of the two evils? I guess that that that's what I like about at least a medium weight Euro style game like Gold West is there's you're like oh I want to do this but then if I take this one and you're gonna take that one and like there's just so many different ways to score points it's just uh, like that the puzzle of trying to figure out like what's the best so then you're adding up like well. If I do this one, I could score eight points. But if I take that one and he doesn't take this one, and I put this one here, I could score like fifteen points. Mm. And then they take it. And you're like, ah, fuck! I should have did the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, talking about talking about uh, Michael Kiesling, like some of the Azul games are like that too. It's like just a pretty looking, nice looking game, but like literally, you could do so many things that you're like, ha take all those, you know? And it's like take some of those negative points and get people <laughs> giving you a little dirty looks and like. It's supposed to be a beautiful, nice game. Screw you. I don't care. <laughs> I played that with somebody, and that's what they said. They're like, oh, it's a nice, relaxing. It's very, you know, everybody's kind of like doing their thing. And I'm like, yeah, put it on the table. Let's see how that works out for you. <laughs> oh, you can't play You haven't reds? played with no. me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly how my wife plays it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only way to play it, really. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's why see that's why I think it's so important so, like you said Kurt before when you review games you make sure that you play it multiple times. You know, I think there's way too many reviewers out there who will just play a game once and then give their opinion on it. Yeah. But a lot of times a game can play so many different ways depending on who you're playing with. Mm-hmm. That you can have a completely different experience. Like it's you know simple games like uh you know like uh Ticket to Ride Right, you can either have a fairly passive game where you're all just kind of doing your own routes and you're doing that, or you can play with me, who <laughs> I will see where you're going and purposely go out of my way just to fucking cut you off. <laughs> and it becomes a lot more aggressive game at that point. And so I think, yeah, there's so many games out there where it can either be a nice quiet passive fun experience or it can be a killer cutthroat fun experience mm-hmm. oh so yeah. i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring some like hardcore take that games the next necronomicon you have to come out <laughs> so we can play because it just might turn into a knife fight <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
That's the yeah. hallmark. Well, if someone says knife fight, I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> There's yeah, yeah. Games I picked up. No idea about the game, but they're like, it's a knife fight. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Well, and it's funny when you talk about, like, play styles and stuff like, too. Like, like sometimes I'll even play a game where I go, I you know, I don't know if this is going to win me the game, but I'd like to see how it where it goes. You know, where other people, I know other people are going, you know, I, I can't remember what it was, but I, I was playing with somebody, and I can't remember. But I was like, yeah, maybe – you know, maybe next time you could do this. And, and he was like, no, I want to win. This is how I win. This is always how I always will play. So don't tell me any, anything other than that. I'm like, okay, yeah. sounds great. See, that's the, I'm not a big fan of games where it doesn't matter what your opponent does. You know, it's at that point, you might as well be taking solitaire. You know, I I kind of I prefer the games where you where everybody influences each even a little bit. You know, even games like um like Charterstone or Catan or Ticket to Ride, anything like that, where your your opponent's moves, even though might not directly affect you, you know, there there can be at least a tangential relationship between what's going on. But games where it's you're all just kind of doing your own thing and I don't why are there other people at the table at that point most of the time so that that was my big knock on Sagrada I uh, I almost backed it on Kickstarter when it came out and then I was like yeah you know I'm not like it's not the right time I'm just not gonna get it and then I had the opportunity to play it and I'm like ah maybe so i borrowed it from the guy you know at work and i'm like hey can i borrow this for the weekend like i want to like i want to get some more plays in so we played it like four or five times in a row and then i'm like i just no like i it's just like a solo game like you said you're just at the table with a couple of people and you can hate draft a little bit like if there's one green die you're like fuck i'm gonna take the green die right because i know you probably want it you've got the green you know green in the corners or whatever but other than that like it man you know, but that's it, such it, a that's that's such a resource limited game that hate pulling like that actually limits you more than probably your opponent. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I'm gonna pull that green. I don't really need it, but at the same time, I don't need it, and it's screwing me over. At the same <laughs> yeah. time. So what's the point? It's a principle the thing. <laughs> uh, we played uh, Taverns of Teeth and Tall recently. And that's a it's a deck builder, and it's not mm. super aggressive, right? It's it's more like you're building up your tavern and you're kind of doing your thing. But at the very beginning of the round, it's a dice drafting system. Really? So uh, <laughs> when we were playing, uh, my buddy Josh was to my left, and so I'm you know drafting his direction. And before I pick anything, I'd look over and like, what do you got going on your side? What do you need? And he'd like, <laughs> quit looking at my board. Leave me alone. Do your own game. <laughs> No, I gotta make sure I'm, I'm limiting your options of what I'm passing you. Right. I'll take something that's okay for me that you know that might be great for you. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll do that. <laughs> no, it, it's funny. I, I, one of the questions that I or one of the topics I, I wrote down was whether or not your game tastes changed over time. It's funny you brought it up. Um, I I still enjoy light games, but like you know, PAX was like my first probably real big foray into like modern board game. We played, you know, large water deep and small world and all this kind of stuff. And we picked up uh zombie dice there. Like, ah, oh, this is great. You know, you could play it at the bar. You could play it here. You know, you just play it on a, you know, 
anywhere, right? Like it's just a little dice thing. And now I look at it on a shelf and I'm like, wow, who am I going to give that to? Like I <laughs> never play that game again. Like it just, I, as much as, as a gamer, I like dice and you like the click and clack and the tactile and your, you know, roll like, how oh, am I going to get the thing? I hate luck in a board game because I want to be able to out strategize you so that we both know that I beat you <laughs> because I played a better game as opposed to, Oh shit, I could never roll a four. So I'm never going to be able to do this thing. You know? Yeah. that That's when I, when I did Death of Crowns, that was exactly on my mind that, I wanted to have something that gave you at least a chance. Oh, you went away. Uh, give you a chance to mitigate the randomness of dice rolling, right? So, like you've you've got some out somewhere. So, well, I, I think one of the one of the more interesting uh, times that we played, um, we were doing a demo with two other players and my lead artist, and uh, we there, I think it was like four, three of us had. A total of six, no, we had eight different uh, tokens that we could basically stop the other player that was going to win. And that's exactly what we did. We just kept going at him and make him re-roll and re-roll. And he finally did it, but we were able to, like, we felt like we had agency in, in stopping his win. And the fact that he still won, like, everybody was excited for it, right? So <laughs> there was still the randomness, but it was like this big table, like, everybody's gripped the table, like, oh, my God going to happen so that's the thing i do like about the random element of dice is just the the table everybody stands up like oh my god what's going to happen moments but having some agency definitely like makes the game better for sure yes i i love it for tabletop right because you know failures in rolling dice leads to you know so much better stories than if you just succeed all the time right and yeah. it's like eh, whatever like okay we we do the thing okay what do we do now but when you you know you fail that acrobatics roll and you fall off the roof or you <laughs> you know whatever like it's just so much better. <laughs> yeah, it's funny if you think about it that way too, because it's like if if that was your real life, you roll a one in real life, you know something stupid happens, you're like you hate it for the rest of your life. Well, you know, in a, in a game, it's like oh, that's the best thing that's ever happened. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I always go back to uh, I ran a Star Wars game with a couple of my friends and uh, God, they were rolling so well and everything was going, you know, doing just just everything's going swimmingly for them. Get to the big boss fight at the end of the campaign and um, they're uh, fighting a guy that's in a, a ATST and they're you know, the one guy's on top of it and he's plunging his lightsaber in the middle of it and you know c cuts the guy in half or you know just kills the guy inside you know and um as you know the the guy dies he falls on top of the um the uh, uh the the controls of it or whatever and I, and I was like well you know roll acrobatics or whatever they had at the time to get off of it and he rolls a one so i your your foothold your foothold is stuck in the thing and he plummets down with it and then the other guys the other the other guys underneath it blasting it with his blaster and i said roll dexterity get out of the way get out of the way of it you rolls a one that thing <laughs> falls on top of him it blows up the game's over everybody <laughs> well you remember that game forever right yes exactly exactly and the other ones where everyone's doing great. It's like, yeah, no one cares. I mean, that's like with the with our Rogue Trader game, 
my uh i play the navigator and his he's his horrible. big key hmm? <laughs> he's horrible he he's can't great navigate up until he's great bag. up until the re-entry i roll amazing every single time we navigate except for when we're coming back and, and i've i plunged us into a sun i crashed <laughs> into a spaceship into a space station i've uh, every single time we come out and that's what he's known for now and so i'm i'd be it hasn't happened yet but i'd be upset if he actually rolled good <laughs> on a re-entry roll Minari would be shocked <laughs> <laughs> well and it's funny like so a failed dice roll in our in our very first uh day trippers game for for Nash, like really informed the whole trajectory of his character when he failed the psyche rolls in the mm. in the dream world, like that just defined how that character was going to be. And, you know, it was a one shot when we played it. We'd never know. You know, we didn't know we were going to play it again. It turned out was such for a three fun. years. Yeah, like now it's just you know <laughs> whatever. But yeah, I mean, it was it was great, and it, and. It, because of that, the story is that much richer and that much better than if he'd like made the role and like, oh yeah, there's talking flowers and like, oh, there's a giant baby. It's whatever, you know. It, it just doesn't would never. It wouldn't have played out the same way, and it wouldn't have been nearly as good mm-hmm. or nearly as memorable. So, yeah, definitely cool. Yeah. But no, I so I I missed a, a bit of the convo. I want to. Could I backtrack slightly? Sure. Just only because we were you uh, when I cut out before we were talking about uh, the evolution of game taste, and uh, I just want to point when uh, when I first started playing board games, I it was more so like the simple strategy ones, and now uh, I never thought that I would be a worker placement lover, and <laughs> and and now I am. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't wait to like sink my seat, my teeth into like scythe and all that, and um, and 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 now I'm an old man apparently. So <laughs> no, I like that too. Well, you know, it's even helped. I think it's helped us in the in our podcast too. Where like you know when we when we first started, it was basically just you know we <laughs> we just had a microphone and an opinion, and who knows if it was right or wrong, and we just did it. You know, and, and nowadays it's like. I actually feel like I can have a conversation with somebody and feel like I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, you fake it till you make it kind of thing. You know? <laughs> but, but you know, even, even when we first started the podcast, like our, you know, we were playing games that I never imagined I would play. Like, I think like the first, uh, the first game that, that we really got into was like race for the galaxy, you know? And mm. I was like, it was just one of those games where I was like, I never thought I'd be playing a game like this, you know, and I, I never thought I'd have the smarts enough to actually, you know, keep up with everybody, right? you know, so it's like, you know, it's not that I still don't make stupid decisions, but you know, it's, it's cool to be able to play certain things and just be like, wow, this is, this is fun. And I can, you know, I can enjoy it. You know, you could play those, you know, two hour games every once in a great moon, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and you know be like wow this is you know this is a fun experience you know where back then it was just like you know well, how many things can we just you know break out and play and play and play well now now nowadays you know back then it was a lot easier to play a game nowadays it's like okay well i got i got this and this and this and i got that and maybe i can get this in and you know 
who knows so i can't stay up till one o'clock in the morning playing board <laughs> oh games my anymore god. <laughs> oh my god even going to a, even going to a convention like literally we just went to a smaller convention and uh man it used to be like we 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 get there and we'd be like okay we're gonna go from 10 and we're gonna go until nine o'clock and now it's mm-hmm. like go from 10 it's supper time. Should we just go to our room? Yep, let's just go to our room. Go to our room, eat pizza, and then maybe play a game on the bed, and then just watch yep. TV and go to bed, and then you know, live the next day. You know, so. Yep. It, it's great. funny. I, I was telling Sean before we started. I just came back from the Savage Cruise mm. with the, um, uh, the the Rocky Mountain Savages or the Savage Worlds um, play group, and they run these excursions all over. Um, so we, we just went on a cruise with Shane Hensley and Daryl Hayhurst and uh, Clint and Jody Black and you know, a bunch of people from Pinnacle and stuff. And I I played about 40 hours of games in six days, you know, because they're four hour chunks, you know, so you get two games every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, by Sunday, I was like, I like I just want this to be over. Like, I, <laughs> I love to play like it's so much fun and it's, you know, it's social interaction and you get to, you know, experience all these different worlds all this different stuff and all the games are great all the players are great jams are great and it was it was too much i yeah. mean it was really like by the end of the week it was like i it's too much facetime and it was great i mean everything was great but it was like fuck i'm i'm so over this right now yeah yeah well it's yeah it's like it's, you get to that certain point and then finally you just you realize like you can tell some of the people that have been at a place way too long because they get this you know that you're looking, and you're talking to them, and all of a sudden they just go. They're in a light, and they just can't stop staring at that light. And you're like, "Oh no, go get some rest." Cool. I guess I'm the oddball out here because uh, I need to get up at eight in the morning and stay till three in the morning, and then Oof. go back to sleep and do it all over again. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going to Dice Tower West, so I'm leaving tomorrow for that. And last time we went to Dice Tower West, we were literally the last people at the convention. Like, we literally shut it down. Wow. <laughs> wow. So you, you must have had – okay, so either A, you drink too many monster drinks, B, you don't sleep, so you don't have to worry about it, or <laughs> – D all the above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no Sean is secretly an automaton and doesn't actually need sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just needs to recharge That's his batteries for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Must play everything. <laughs> that uh, was last year at Rincon. Um, it's like about 45 minutes from my house up in Tucson. So I didn't get a hotel because I'm like, ah, it's close enough. I'm just going to drive. Well, you know, when you leave at 1.30 and have a 45-minute drive home and a game mm-hmm. at 9 o'clock the next morning, three days in a row, you know, again by Sunday, it's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next year I should get the hotel. I don't know. I was, I'm having the same thought. There's a new con starting up in April or May, I think, and it's less than an hour away from me. And I'm like, all right, theoretically, like I could drive there and drive back. But at the same time, that's two hours of driving on top of all the play gaming I'm going to do and everything. I'm like, is at like nine, 10 o'clock at night. Am I really going to want to do that hour long drive back? <laughs> like, it sucks. Mm. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> you're going to be one of those tragic people that, that like, it's like, oh, man dies from sleep deprivation. What was that? <laughs> oh. Board game convention. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> At some point, I have to realize that I'm not 19 anymore, and I can't do that all the time. <laughs> it it sucks. That was our Saturday night at RingCon. It was uh, Shane Hensley and and uh, Daryl Hayhurst and like Ron Blessing and I, I don't uh, I don't think John John Wick wasn't there. But like all these people, we started out a little circle around a table and we were drinking and eating and whatever. And then a couple of people would show up and it got a little bigger. And then the circle got a little bigger. And you know by one o'clock we had like the whole patio. There was like thirty people. And you're like, well, I'm hanging out with these guys. Like I'm not gonna go home, right? Like that's just dumb. I'm just gonna. I'll... And of course they were all staying at the hotel. Mm-hmm. The yeah. final is like, God, look guys, I I don't want to, but I gotta go home. Like. <laughs> It's just it's too late. <laughs> yeah, and then and that's why like it, you you get that thing where it's like, God, I don't want to stay at the hotel. It's so expensive. And then and then you think about it and you're like, well, then I have to drive and I have to park and like all. And it's mm-hmm. and then it just be, sometimes it becomes a no brainer. It's like, well, shit, I'm just gonna save some extra money and just stay at the hotel because then I don't have yeah. to worry about it. I can just drunkenly walk to my room and pass out. So. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, that might I mean, be you figure you're probably sure. spending like 25, 30 bucks on parking alone anyway. So why yeah, not just exactly. double that price and get a hotel room? Yeah, actually, parking's free for Rincon. It's nice to park. They have it at a ho- at the hotel, so we just yeah, shoot up and you know park. So yeah. fancy. Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> well, you know, considering all the time constraints and 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 size of board game collections, one person in particular. Uh, what is, how do you determine what games get to the table on any given day? Like, is there, you know, a checklist, you check your BGG to see what you've played in a while. What, what do you guys have any sort of, uh, routine that you go through? Uh, for me, we, we game pretty regularly through the week. Uh, we like, if we're gaming on Thursday, we'll actually talk about it on a, a group chat, find out, okay, who's all coming and then start throwing out game ideas like I'd like to bring this, I'd like to bring that, um, and then see if people are interested. Usually, I'll get shout outs like, "Oh, I'd love to play X" or "I'd love to play Y," so you can get an idea for that. Um, if we're going to a con, we're going to bring different, you know, a bunch of different games, things that we want to play that we haven't played, or something we know everybody's really that everybody would enjoy. So, like, I'm going to be bringing just one. Uh, I'm going to be bringing some games I haven't played yet. Like uh, I'm bringing Lockup because I just learned that and it looks really cool. Um, and nobody's played that, but everybody's really interested in it. So I try to bring a mix of things that I think. Well, what is the group that's that's going to be around us going to enjoy playing that I would also like to you know get to the table? Very cool. Yeah, for for us, it's like well, I've got I've got two ways of doing it because I play I play games with my wife and then I also play I have a uh, game night uh, normally on Tuesdays with a buddy, my buddy Mike. And when I'm playing with my buddy Mike, like we'll just we'll do that thing where we're like, "What do you want to play tonight? I don't know. What do you want to play tonight?" <laughs> you know, and then you know, it's like one of those. It's just like we're all you know, we're both just kind of going back and forth until one of us says, "Well, I you know, I just got this game. Oh, that you know, that sounds fun." Or like um, a thing we had been doing is we would do. If we had gotten some new games, we would shuffle in a new game in between doing some regular games. So, like, uh, my buddy Mike liked doing it. He loved, he's got, like, almost everything legendary, so we have a legendary night. And then 
uh, Legendary Marvel, sorry. And then he, uh, we'd like the Pathfinder deck building game, and he'd always have the packs of that, so we'd have a round of that. And then there was something else, too. I can't remember exactly what it was. But uh, so that that would kind of go back and forth. Uh, as far as like Tracy and I would go, we would do we would do the thing where like we have a ton of games that are unopened <laughs> that we need to play. So we're like we're just go, we're gonna do that. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go through all these games. We're gonna make sure that they're played and that we want to keep them. You know. But then every once in a while, you know, someone will go. You know, one of us will go. Okay, it'd be nice to play Quacks again because it's like I know Tracy loves Quacks. So let's just let's play that as a, a game night thing. Another thing that I've I've experienced now that I've had to transport uh, you know three thousand games from upstairs in our house to their basement of the house is that <laughs> hey maybe we should take a look at maybe shrinking it a little bit if there are some <laughs> things that I don't like and we've actually done a really good job of doing that it feels like it's like a quarterly thing where we, every once in a while we'll just take a look and be like okay do we want this and it's literally a yes or no like yes or no. No waffling, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, except for the stuff that hasn't been played, like we, we will let it sit until we actually play it because we don't want to just get rid of it on a whim. But, but yeah, it's, it, 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 it's actually also kind of gotten me into wanting to play some of the older stuff again, because I've seen some of these things where like I walk past them like every day because they were upstairs in our bedroom. So I'd walk down to go to work and be like, oh, that looks cool, you know. And, and so every once in a while, I would see something, but most of the time, I just, you know, blindly pass by it. But now I can see everything; it's all down here, <laughs> so I can see it all. And I, you know, I, there would there's at least ten games. I go, oh man, we should play. We should pick this out and play it again. So it's nice to have it in a spot where we have a designated space where it, we can just go out and pick something. Mm. Where before it was kind of like almost it was there, but it was almost kind of hidden. To where we were just kind of like it was just a bunch of clutter. So, what about you, Jesse? Uh, I mean, legacy. So <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Our game, we pretty much we're pretty much picked out for for almost a year. So, but I mean, at home, you know, uh, I have I have four year olds, so mm-hmm. we play we play a lot of Uno and Go Fish. And, and basic card games that they can also, you know, learn math with. So, uh, but we're, we, you know, we also try, we try to play games that they can help with to a certain extent. So, you know, some of the simpler games, like we, we actually have done uh, like Ticket to Ride with them and things like that, where they can at least match colors and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we try to, you know, unfortunately, you know, time is we have like this much time every day. Mm-hmm. So we have like 20 minutes after dinner where we can play a game. So it has to be something short and sweet. So, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah I, I, Sean, you got me turned on to, to track in gameplays. I, I use an mm-hmm. app or whatever. Like I printed out a spreadsheet and you know, put all the games on there and broke them out two school. player and two to four, two to five, your, you know, got your dots made dot I'm matrix out there. And- <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> so it, was, it was funny. Last year was the first year that I did it. And we found that we played a handful of games a lot and we we're yeah. like, all right, well we need to kind of like mitigate this a little bit. So for this year, 
we've really spread it out. It's like, okay, well, we haven't played. I just finally played Citrus for the first time with my kid the other night. I'm like, shit, I haven't played Citrus all year. Like, we played it a lot, but like now we're like, okay, cool. Let's bring this one in. Let's bring that one. Hey, let me take a look at your list because I do the majority of my board gaming at work with a friend of mine. So, you know, restrictions are it's got to be less than an hour from the time it hits the table to the time we pack it up and all that kind of stuff. Um, but but I purchase games that kind of fit that mold then. So I was so happy that Gold West played in 45 minutes. I'm like, Sweet. <laughs> we'll actually get to play it. Um, but something like Porta Nigra, like even in a two-player, we only get two turns in because that's going to take an hour. And if we get that last turn in, like – it just gets past our lunchtime and, uh, you know, it leads to problems. <laughs> but yeah, we, we really started to like spread it out. My game collection is not nearly as big as, as your guys is. Um, so it's a little bit easier for us to cycle through because I don't have 3000 games. <laughs> <laughs> but, but before the list, it was like, yeah, we would play, you know, like say Splendor 20, 30 times, you know, like, Oh, what do you want? I'll oh, bring Splendor in again. All right, cool. Like we enjoy it, so we'll just like play it. We'll just play the crap out of it. Um, but now it's nice to be able to sort of like see visually, like, oh, geez, we haven't played X. Bring that one in, you know. And it and it really kind of keeps things fresh. And and like you were saying, Kurt, there are some things I'm like, oh, you know, like Zombie Days, like maybe I should see if I could find a home for this because I don't think we're ever really going to play this. Like it just doesn't fit the style anymore. So yeah. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. Just a quick blurb on that. Like, we had Zombie Dice back in the day because it was, like, when me and Tracy were just starting out gaming and stuff like that. We were like, oh, this is a fun, quick game and stuff like that. And then we the same thing. It was just like, who can we give this to? We gave it away. <laughs> and then uh, and then the uh, this uh, first Gen Con that we went to with Logan, we played Zombie Dice because we thought, oh, this will be <laughs> nice and easy. Logan's like, we want it. I like. He's like, I want it. We're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> we got rid of that one already you know just like uh just yeah it's funny it's funny so how the how it all evolves and stuff like that yeah so, for sure yeah it's funny uh, i actually i you know i've owned zombie dice for years and you got to the same point where it's like yeah you kind of moved on from this but so it just kind of went down went to the back and then we were packing up bringing some board games up to maine to visit family and we have a few younger uh younger nieces who are you know they're like seven eight ten and we're like oh this you know this actually might be a good game for them to like intro and kind of get used to and so we started playing that and then all of a sudden my girls like they they got into it real fast and so now i find myself all of a sudden i'm i haven't touched zombie dice in like five years and now all of a sudden it's in our you know game rotation for after for after dinner play because it's something like you know rice and easy and simple and quick to pick up so it's funny how those games just kind of sometimes find themselves back to you <laughs> there's an app that i posted uh or not an app it's it's a website but it ties into your bgg list and it will actually spit out a bun bunch of information so, like, you know, I, I track my plays on BGG, so it'll show me uh, these are the types of games that I've been playing, uh, these are the designers that I've been playing the most of, or 
you know, the designers that I have the most games from or publishers that I tend to get a lot of stuff from. There's a lot of like interesting heuristics you can get from that. Mm. And it will also uh, break things down by, um, it'll show you your list. Like, okay, here's all the two to five player games that you have, or uh, the two to eight or so it's, it's useful on two different counts. Like if you're looking for something to play, like, Hey, we've got eight people. What do I have that would actually fit eight? And you just sort by that. Um, or you can go, well, let's see what games have I been playing the heck out of? Oh, these five have been like huge in, in my play rotation. Maybe I can try these other ones that I haven't played as much. And mm-hmm. it's, it's even got a category for shelf of shame. So the things that you haven't played, <laughs> which is, I tried to avoid that one. Like, I know it's embarrassing. big. <laughs> <laughs> no i actually i use a uh an app called nemesis that you know it allows you to track all your games and who you've played against and you know who's won the games and everything like that so it's interesting to see again i play a lot of games with my kids so like my my one of my daughters is my current nemesis because she's the one that's beat me more times than anybody else that's awesome and so, yeah, it's interesting because it gives you a break, a breakdown of every single game you've played and how many times you've played and who won, like what percentage and everything like that. So it's fun for that, for that more competitive nature to track <laughs> that kind of stuff. That's, so. That sounds right up John's alley. Exactly. It is for sure. <laughs> so what you see is we'll see if we can print out an Excel spreadsheet of that for you. <laughs> I use different colored inks for who I'm playing with so I can know who I'm playing oh, see, against. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Kurt's got to get out of here. So, Kurt, what, what do you guys have coming up on MFG Cast? What are you guys doing? What do you got your, your fingers into? Yeah, I got a couple of things going on. Uh, like I said before, we got the review for The Astute Goose by Reiner Knizia. So, uh, that actually should be out tomorrow if you're listening to this on the 24th of uh, February. Um, and then, uh, coming up here pretty soon, I'm going to be talking to Jake Homier, uh, about mind management, the board game based off of the book. So we're actually going to be talking to him live on YouTube and going to be talking about that game. He'll show us a little bit about it, which will be cool. And then, uh, coming up here next month, we're going to start recording, uh, John and John Neary are also are going to be a part of a, um, D and D campaign that I'm running, uh, Old West kind of theme called uh, um, uh, "And Justice for All?" Question mark. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited. I haven't uh, I haven't GM'd D and D for a while, and I'm gonna put my little spin on it. And I'm definitely afraid and very excited about it. So uh, it might not come out right away in. March just because I want to put my little spin on it and put some battle bard music in the background to kind of make it more thematic, but it should be coming out to ear holes near you soon. I'm looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. Cool. Awesome. And you're a regular on the fear itself game here on the legends of tabletop podcast network. That's right. The legend of Randy Anders continues. I'm telling you, we got to get t-shirts made of that. <laughs> uh, I know. Seriously. I'm going to find somebody and have them, have them make a nice t-shirt. We'll, we'll, we'll put it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> put it to the list. Uh, that's great. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, for coming by tonight and hanging well, out with us for a little while. Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. 
It's always a blast. Awesome. All, All right. right. Well, I will see you the next time I see you. Sounds good. See you guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Later. All right. And then there were three. And then there were three, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, talking about, you know, calling the collection and stuff, what, what sort of parameters do you have for what stays and what goes, especially when you get a collection that, you know, gets a, you know up over a couple of hundred games, right? It's a space issue. It's a time issue. It's a, you know, change in preference issue. Um, how do you make those decisions as far as what you're going to keep and, you know, what you're potentially maybe going to trade for, some other games that you want to play. Uh, go ahead, John. Uh, uh, I mean, it's not necessarily an issue that I run into. Um, our our collection tends to stay fairly small. I think I have maybe eighty or so games right now. Um, that's decent, though. I mean, that, that's yeah. not nothing. Yeah. Um, but you know, we, I, there's games that we just don't play anymore, or. No, we were talking before about taste changing and how, you know, you might go back to a game that you used to think was really good and used to play all the time. And then you play it four or five years later and you realize, oh, that's actually really simple. And, you know, maybe you you don't get quite the same enjoyment out of it anymore. And so at that point, maybe it's just time to put it aside and and move on. So I think more more times than not, that's what happens with us. Is we'll you know pull it a game you know you say oh we haven't played this in forever like yeah we used to play this all the time let's have fun and and you you get a few rounds into it and you're like oh this game isn't good anymore like it's just <laughs> <laughs> do you experience that with RPGs at all uh, I know mainly because I'm your your style I think your game style more so influences the game in that respect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the mechanics can come and go. I, I don't think that really matters. I think that more so it's your, the way that you approach the game means, uh, means a lot more in that instance. So for, for a system itself, I'd say you can, you know, I can drop in out of pretty much any system that I've tried, you know, unless, I mean, even when you're talking about older versions of D and D though, like, you know, it's not necessarily an upgrade or a downgrade if you're moving from like third to fifth. You know, unless you're playing fourth edition, then it's a hard. Hey, fourth downgrade. was good. I like. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, with RPGs, I think it's more so. Uh, I think certain game, certain systems fit a certain style more, and so you know, you might not play it for a while until you have a specific campaign that you think would really suit that mechanic. So. I think that tends to be a little different than than a board game itself. That's fair. I mm. I, I cut my teeth on second ed, and I mm. I don't know that I would want to go back and play that now. Like sure. I I really enjoyed fourth, and I like you know fifth is fine. I you know it's it's whatever. I don't I don't dislike it, mm. but I I don't know that I would go back and play second ed. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I, I I don't know, but I, but it is I guess different than I don't know the way we play. Maybe it would work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you make a good like. I'm not sure if I I enjoyed. I really enjoyed playing my third edition in my Pathfinder games. Um, 
but given the my play style now and just the fact that I don't I used to play every single week. You know, we used to play every single Sunday and we'd play for six, seven hours at a time. And now we play once a month <laughs> for for three or four hours. And so I yeah, I think that our maybe our our lives now <laughs> you know give give way to more of a simplistic style of gaming. So while I might enjoy the more crunchy old school games, uh, I'm not sure I can necessarily dedicate the time and energy to playing them anymore. So, well, but even like say Rogue Trader for the campaign, right? Like Rogue Trader, super crunchy, and the book is horribly laid out. But yeah. we'll play for three hours and not roll dice at all. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, it doesn't matter what system we're playing. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I guess there's some of that, you know, like it, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, I, it's interesting, I think, because um, it is different than than the board game stuff. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I just, I, I wonder, you know, as, as the new stuff comes out or, you know, your your taste just like, I, I mean, for the most part, no matter what we're playing, we're really playing a more narrative style of game, regardless right. of the setting and system. Um, so I guess it we're does. basically just always playing a different version of Fiasco. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> what about you, Sean? How does your uh, calling work? Yeah, what's your collection up to right now? That's. <laughs> you don't have to answer uh, some, that. Some disgusting thing. Yeah, I refuse to answer <laughs> on the grounds of me incriminating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so actually, so the way I call things is I'll go through and look and see like, okay, what am I really going to play? Like, are there things here that just, eh, I'm kind of mediocre on, like, eh, it's a thing, but I've got things that are, that do whatever this does, but better or more in interesting ways uh, that I've kind of moved on past. Or if it's just something that I'm like, eh, this is, isn't going to get to the table. Like, this may be an interesting game, but am I really going to get to play this at all? Probably not. Uh, and I feel like we're kind of lucky that we do a big thing for, uh, for extra life. And so what we do is like, we'll take the, everything that people are calling, like a lot of our friends and they'll donate their games. And so we, you know, kind of clean them up and make sure they're all good. And then we get them uh, packaged up and those are part of our extra life, uh, giveaways. So people can actually win those for, you know, buying raffle tickets and stuff. Mm. So it's a way that I can kind of, get stuff out of, you know, my collection and, and that I'm not really going to use anymore and, you know, put it into other people's hands and generate some positive, you know, stuff out of it as well. So, yeah. That's cool. That's what I do. Yeah, that sounds like a really good kind of a mental trick as well. You know, you know, if if you're saying, oh, should I keep this game or get rid of it? You know, it's almost like, oh, well, I guess if it's going nowhere, then I might as, it might as well just stay on my shelf. But at least if you're donating it and it's that process of if you're on the fence about it, you're like, well, you know what? If I if I might like this again, but somebody else will definitely enjoy it more. I think that, yeah, that's a nice little trick to give yourself that extra push to just get rid of the games that you're on the fence about. Yep, it's, it's definitely an incentive. Uh, mm-hmm. My buddy Josh actually donated... It, 
insane that he did this. I couldn't believe he did it. But uh, he did the backing for the big Batman Gotham City, like all in pledge oh, for that thing. Yeah. And he donated the entire thing. Wow. Un unwrapped. <laughs> like he didn't unwrap any of it. Like that's like, insane. I'm probably not going to get to play this. And as cool as this is, but I think it could do better and raise a lot of money for extra really? life. And so we actually had it as, you know, one big giant thing. And, Wow! People, people threw tons of money trying to trying to win that one. <laughs> nice! Which, yay! You know, yeah, right. Uh, help out sick kids, and somebody got an awesome prize. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's really cool. But and you were saying, you know, if you have, you know, games that have similar, you know, mechanics or similar, uh, you know, mm. gameplay elements, and you, you know, maybe keep the better game. Um, like I really enjoy area control stuff. Is that something where you're like, all right, well, like these are the five best area control games that I have, and I want to keep these. And like these ones do that, and it's it's fine, and maybe the theme's not so great. So like, even though I enjoy this mechanic, I'm I'm not gonna keep these because I'm gonna I know I'm gonna play these ones more. Yeah, to to an extent, I don't like put a number on it. Like you know, what's my top five or top ten or something like that. Uh, but I will go. You know, this game does deck building. Okay, is it doing it as good as? Is there something else that I would rather play? Putting this together with you know all the other deck builders I have. Yeah, this is this one's going to fall by the wayside. Okay, I'll I'll get rid of this one, even though eh, it's okay. Um, if it, right. I can I'll I'll have a bunch. I, I do have a bunch of deck builders, but if things that'll make me keep it is the theme is really cool. I really dig the theme, or. Um, there's something about it that is very unique that I don't see in other games. So those two things are like big, like, okay, I need to keep this game. Um, if I'm working on something that is involved in that sort of mechanic, I will hold on to it so I can kind of go back and reference it. Hmm. And then, you know, once I get done, you know, publishing that game or, you know, to the point where like, okay, I've, I've kind of gathered as much information as I want. Now this one can leave my collection and go live <laughs> with other people now. <laughs> Be free. Right. <laughs> well, that's cool. Um, I, I have another question here that that I had come up with. Um, when it comes to you know purchasing games, because you know limited resources, time, whatever. Um, what, what's your thought on either picking up a new game or an expansion to an old game? Or, or is there a distinction in your mind? Does, you know, because the expansion then you know adds elements to a you know to an older game that maybe uh, you know ex extends that shelf life and makes it new again, or adds new game mechanics to a game. So, in essence, kind of making it a new game. So, there's a little bit of crossover there, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I will tend to get both because <laughs> I'm stupid. But <laughs> for people that aren't insane, uh, I would say. Take a look at reviews for the expansion. Not all expansions are equal as far as like what they bring to the game. Um, sometimes they'll extend a game's gameplay in a negative way, or it'll change up so many things that it's like, well, this is now a different experience than what mm -hmm. I had originally, what I what I liked about it. Now it's like this whole different thing. Um, but if you like that game, I'd say, yeah, go for the expansion. Um, it's a way to get extra life out of something that you've already got without having to go as usually as big as, you know, buying a whole new, whole new system or a whole new game. 
And it also, it's like, you already know how to play this other game, learn a couple of new things, and then, you know, you're kind of off to the races. So it's a little easier to get to table that way, too. Yeah, I found myself, uh, if... If I if I am able to, when I am able to buy something new, I oftentimes find myself just doing an expansion to a game that I know I like. You say I I already know that I will enjoy I enjoy the base game, so chances are I will enjoy the expansion with few like. So the reason I looked is I couldn't remember the name of it. Uh, <laughs> Dominion, yeah, love playing yeah, yeah. Dominion. There's a ton of expansions. Only a few of them are actually good. <laughs> and yeah, so that's I've one seen of the ones that. that I've realized. Like, really have to research which one I'm buying ahead of time to see if it actually adds... A, it actually adds anything significant to the game, and B, if the things it adds are actually good. There's a lot of times in that where you'll find expansions where they'll be like, yeah, it adds a bunch of this stuff and none of it actually help. Like, it's just a bunch of extra resource management stuff that really doesn't help the game at all. It just makes it a lot more convoluted. And you're like, yeah, never mind. I'll pass on that one. Right. <laughs> I, I saw that uh, Tasty Minstrel for Crusaders has an expansion coming out. Um I don't know how far in the process it is right now, but I'm like, ooh, I think I'm probably going to get that. Because <laughs> that's a great game. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I did the deluxified version. Nice. Um, which, you know, the, you know, so there, there's some back and forth on that too, right? So, like, I know some people get upset because it's like, oh, I can only ever get this now and never again. And if someone decides to sell it, I'm going to have to pay you know, double, triple the amount of cost for it. It doesn't change the gameplay. The mechanics are the mechanics, but oh, it's so good when it gets to the table and you drop <laughs> those metal coins and, you know, you have all these little upgrades. The cubes are, you know, uh, like metallic colored gold as opposed mm. to like a flat yellow. And, you know, it's like when um, I first started playing Splendor, uh, when it was introduced to me, it was the original printing of the 2014 printing with the Ferris core. And I played it and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, I guess. And a couple months later, I'm like, hey, can I, can I borrow that game? Like, I want to try that again. I, I think maybe I like that. And I borrowed it and I played it again. And we happened to be at Target one day and they had it and it was super cheap. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to get it because I, I try to get stuff at the game store, right? You want to support the local business. You want to support your community and whatever. And I'm like, shit, it's like $30. I'm just going to get it. And I got it home and I unwrapped it and I went, that's kind of weird. And you're like tapping the chips all over everything in the house. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's right. Open up another sleeve. And I'm like, fuck this game. I don't want this. This is stupid. <laughs> so I went to eBay and I wound up finding it. I, I like, I just emailed everybody. Which edition is this? What year did this come out? You know? And they're like, what? So I wind up picking it up and it doesn't matter. Like it's the same game, but just that, couple of ounces different in the weight of the chips is like i hate mm -hmm. this now <laughs> like, so the deluxified versions are great and i you know again for me it's not like a fomo thing like oh, I, i'm not gonna be able to get it i'm like this is gonna enhance my enjoyment it's worth an extra i don't know whatever it was 20 dollars or something mm. to get all the extra components and things um but I mean, I <laughs> tabletop games are a physical medium, right? You know, you, you right. have an interaction with things. So uh, I would always recommend go with the the better version. 
there are some people that don't care. Great, you know, that's awesome. Do you? But most people, you're interacting with everything. You know, you want the more upgraded pieces because it it really does enhance your experience of the game and it just makes mm-hmm. it a lot more entertaining. It to a person that maybe isn't in the hobby, they're like, what this shouldn't matter. Like, well, <laughs> yes, you're right. It shouldn't, but psychologically so. it really does. Yeah. Like you said, it doesn't affect the gameplay at all, but it still affects your experience with it. Mm-hmm. it it's it's like for tabletop RPGs, if you, you know, pull out pogs, you know, like fourth edition had the, you know, the pogs mm-hmm. for all the monsters and stuff, or you throw down a three-dimensional mini that's the character that you're playing, like mm-hmm. it's it's night and day. Like it, it's just not right the same experience. And it doesn't doesn't change anything because it's all happening in your mind anyway. But like mm-hmm. just to have that on the table, or you know, like the 3D terrain, or you know, that people do all the 3D printing and stuff, like it, it just enhances the experience to such a such a high level. Mm-hmm. That oh man, I, I can't see doing it another way. <laughs> I mean, when like, you know, with RPGs, especially you know, we play online now, so it doesn't really. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, when I play at the table. The I, I I wouldn't often do terrain because I you know from session to session I usually don't know where my players are going anywhere because they're insane. But yeah. like there there have been a few times where it's like I knew exactly what was going to happen. So and for big battles I do that kind of stuff. So like one I ran a one shot and uh, it was going to take place in a tower, and so I could have just explained you know talked about the tower and did all this but instead i worked from home and so i had time so i crafted a five-story tower out of cardboard and you you know each so every time they went to a new level like i put a new level on the tower and it it became a spectacle and it was fun to engage with and everything and no even i had at the very end that like the balcony like if too many players went on the balcony, then it would collapse. And so I even had it. So like once they went off there, I could actually like bend the balcony down and everyone could fall <laughs> off it. And so it was fun. And so that stuff does affect, like you said, you know, it is a physical medium. So all that does affect the experience that you're having. So having, you know, if you're playing a board game, if you have uh, tiny little cubes that, represent all your stuff like it's nice to still have that representation there but if you're playing a more deluxe version that actually has like little pieces that look like the thing that you're trading or instead of having tiny little meeples you actually have 3d printed figures like it it's an enhancement of course it's going to make things better for your experience well if you're looking to bring people into the game as far as like the theme like if you want to draw people in having actual representations of those things is a mm-hmm. great way to do that. Yep. Uh, the more abstracted you are, the more you feel like I'm working through mechanics. Yeah. Right. So like you could do uh, Santorini by just having uh, three different size blocks and a, and two pegs that you move around. Right. Mm-hmm. But you've got an Island and then you've got this, you know, land mass that you're setting on the Island and you're moving your dudes around and you're building these buildings. Like, you you feel more of what's kind of going on, like you're a part of the thing that's happening because of the pieces. Right. So that's that's something that I think like 
designers and publishers tend to folk tend to you know really think about like mm -hmm. okay well we want people to feel like they're a part of this world so these are the things that we're going to make to kind of enhance that and make that happen yeah i think uh I, I do think that Kickstarter has kind of played a decent part in that as well, because when you're, you know, the very first thing that catches you when you look at a board game is the look of it. And so if you're shopping for a new game and you're, you, all you can affect the only interaction with it is pictures, you know, the developers going, the designers going to try to make it look as nice as possible most of the time. And so, it's it's kind of a boon and hindrance because you have so many of those games now that have the giant figures and the big pieces that are beautiful to look at but at the same time these games are now selling for 80 90 100 dollars and it's and there's no other real it's either that or you cut it down and you have to ask at that point you have to ask is my game going to be as much of a draw if I don't have these big eye-catching figures and this beautiful board for everybody to look at. Yeah. Era's, I think, a good example of that. Um, mm -hmm. So, Era, I don't know if you guys have ever played Era. Uh, basically, it's, it's a, a multi-dice chucking game of resource gathering. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a bunch of different types of dice, and as you... Uh, create different buildings, then you can, you know, gather more different types of dice and get different resources. Uh, you've got a a three roll system to gather up what kind of resources you're going to get. Mm -hmm. And the big draw to it is that you've got this big pegboard, and the pieces that you're you're building a town essentially this mm -hmm. this uh, like medieval town, and you're literally taking buildings and plopping them into these pegboards. So you get a small farm, or you get a big castle, or you get a big turret, or you get walls to go around your city. So you're building a three-dimensional object. So it's you know big, chunky plastic pieces. Looks mm -hmm. cool as hell, right? You look on the table, you're like, oh my god, what are you playing? That's amazing looking. <laughs> right. Super fun, and it's a $70 game. Mm -hmm. The gameplay, compared to the price, is really out of sync. Mm -hmm. And... So I basically I hung out like, I love the game. It's great. I don't want to play seventy dollars for that game. Yep. Uh, is, is it a game that they could have just used, you know, flat printed cardboard pieces to get the same gameplay? Oh yeah, you know, you it would do be it, the same could, exact. It, you could turn it into a roll and write. Really, I mean, if you, if you really <laughs> thought about it, because really, your board is a is an upgraded piece of essentially a paper. And yeah. when you're plopping those pieces in you're you would essentially be marking on a, on your pad. Mm. So like they could dial it way back, but nobody would, nobody would be talking about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, it it yeah. wouldn't be a thing. Uh, I was able to get a copy for $40 off uh, CSI that they were selling like on the final day of PAX Unplugged. I'm like, 40 bucks. Yep. I'm in. Okay. Yeah. It's a $40 game. <laughs> so sometimes you, you watch for sales when you get that sort of disconnect, but yeah. 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 Well, see that's the same thing with reef. Everybody went Gaga over reef and that's like a $70 game. And it looks like Duplo blocks. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think like, I like abstract games. So like the, I'm in kind of on a base level, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm not going to, nah. Like it's just not for me. Like I'm not gonna do it. You know. Mm -hmm. I think we were having. Yeah, we were talking about this the uh, a little bit ago, uh, a little ways ago. Wingspan, 
Hmm. It's it's a beautiful game. The gameplay is really nice, but it's okay. Does it match? You know, it's selling for you know fifty sixty dollars. Is it is it worth that much for a card game? You know, the components are really nice. I they mean, are the, the eggs are super cool. The arts nice the you know the 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 player board looks like your field notebook and stuff like the 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 theme all that surrounds the whole game is great but like sagrada and i played it a bunch at rincon i, I played it five or six times over the mm. course of the weekend to me felt like a solo game yeah um and, and there were there's some things like oh you know if, you know you have a raptor and you catch a bird and and if i have a card that activates on a predator action i can you know collect a resource there's a little bit but for the most part for me it was like a solo game and i like i it just wasn't it wasn't for me I, mm. I, you know co-ops too like i i can't i can't do it <laughs> <laughs> i've tried i played a couple of pandemics not so bad i played pandemic a couple times um, and it's fine. Like it's, it's, it's an okay thing. Um, but man, I, somebody says co-op. I'm like, Nope, I'm out. I, I, and I would play it, right? Like we went to a meetup and someone was like, I have this co-op game. You want to check it out? I'd be like, eh, if everybody wants to play it, I'm in sure. Whatever. It would never see my collection. Like it's just <laughs> never. <laughs> and there may be a couple, I, you know, maybe I would find something to be like, Oh, this is really cool. I really like, I get the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm 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 a, I'm a knife fight board game. <laughs> like, it's just well, I get the they called like you know like the, the Care Bears, you know, people that that really dig the multiplayer solitaire style games. Like, mm. can I can I beat you? They they they're not looking for a solo experience. They are competitive, but they don't want someone to mess with their stuff. Right. right? So it's just like, can I outplay you? Can I be smarter about how I build? my engine or how I, how I managed to make things happen or line things up or, you know, whatever the system is like with wingspan, how, you know, it's very engine buildy. Can I build a better engine than anybody else and be able to, you know, get out a win in this competition where you can't F me over and just blow my engine all the hell. I get that. You know, that's fine. People dig that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm not there. <laughs> I want I want to jab you with a knife and screw your system up and blow it all to hell. Yep. Yeah. If you could somehow combine those two, perfect. <laughs> There's a great way to do that, and that's one versus many. Oh Where, really? Yeah. So uh, we actually played. Um, so Kemet Kemet is a super mm. aggro game. Uh, you don't want to turtle. If you turtle in Kemet, you're dead. Right. <laughs> so you have to be attacky all the time. Um, they put out an expansion called the Seth expansion and they turned it into a one versus many. So um, I was Seth because of course, and I'm the one. Mm-hmm. And so that means that everybody else is working cooperatively mm. to try and destroy me. And then my goal is to try and, you know, destroy everybody else. I've got a couple different, you know, win objectives. So it's for those kind of ex- uh, experiences, then it's, it's perfect for that group. Like you like co-ops. I like competitive Hey, we can do both. You can do your co-op thing, and I can come and try and smash you. <laughs> I am definitely going to have to look into that then. <laughs> yeah, that that might be something that would work for me. <laughs> I don't know what that says about us, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way. I'll, there, there are some co-ops. Some co-ops I do enjoy, but for the most part, yeah, I, you know, I like. 
I like that competition. I like, you know, being able to mess with people. So, mm-hmm. um, and there's some really great one versus many games out there. Uh, we actually, we turned uh, Dice of Crowns and Dice of Pirates into a one versus many. Uh, <laughs> they're um, the others by Eric Lang and Colleen or not. That's a one versus many where you have one person as the sin, you know, the evil creature. And then all the other players are working together to try and destroy them. And there's some really cool stuff out there for sure. Hmm. Cool. Very cool. That's why we used to love, uh, I've played, is it, um, I can't remember the name of it. Is it uh, Betrayal on the yeah, Betrayal on the, the House yeah. of the Hill? Yeah. Where, um, you know, I, I enjoy kind of the, the at first it's the co-op-y type game, just exploring a little bit. I don't know how, but we've played that game probably, not a ton, probably about seven or eight times. And all but 12. Twice I have been the bad guy <laughs> at the turn, and I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> you know they have a legacy version of that, right? Yes, I do. I, I think we need really to finish the legacy games that we're playing currently. Yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> do you but yeah, the legacy version of that C-fall. definitely is interesting. Seafall's interesting. It's it's very divisive though. Uh, cool. there, so our group was playing it when, um, at the last job I was at, uh, we played Seafall for a long time and we were enjoying it. I was way behind. Like there was no way I was going to like in, in the winning, they've got an interesting catch and mechanic that I'm not sure really works. And so I was, I was pushing it and like, I want to try and end up at the, in the bottom of each game to see how far I can down, I can go and how much this catch up. Because the catch-up mechanism like compiles on itself, so the mm. worse you do, the bigger you know start head start you get in the in the next game. Um, but it requires you to play a certain way, and if you don't, the game sort of like stalls out for a while, mm. which is kind of weird. Um, another thing that people had a problem with Seafall was that the first time you play it, your first game, you're very invested in your characters and all that, and then. Um, they basically it's it's a trainer game right they we teach you a little bit how to play and then basically there's a hard reset and so those characters that you were kind of cool hey this is the thing and then you're like nope now pick all new things like well wait but all that's no dang it yeah but you can get it dirt cheap (laughs) you can get for like five ten bucks like they way overhyped it and uh, it did not sell well Mm. was that one of the first legacy games no that was no. the third one uh okay. risk legacy was his first was, yeah then pandemic and then they did seafall and there was a huge amount of hype because pandemic legacy just freaking destroyed well it's, it's hugely pandemic, popular. pandemic. <laughs> yeah right yeah well i mean they did really interesting things with it right they took this the system of pandemic but then there have been lots of exciting, you know, things like, oh, we get to open this new thing. What's inside this? Mm-hmm. What things are we destroying now? Like, what crazy crap is going to go on? Do you? Do you th- I, I'm not a legacy guy. I've never played a legacy game, so I can't like definitively. Oh, this is the worst thing. But you know, from like a capitalist, you know, social perspective, like, hey, let's sell you this game for a hundred dollars that you're going to destroy and play, like one, you know, quote unquote, one time. Mm-hmm. And then you're never going to play it again. Or we'll sell you this booster thing where you can like get all your cards back and then you could play it again, even though you already know the story. Good idea, bad idea. Like from a designer's perspective, 
I, I, I like it for a couple of different reasons. Um, one, realistically, some games you're only going to play a certain amount of times anyways. So if you play Pandemic Legacy for, you know, 20 times, you've really gotten your money's worth out of it, right? Mm-hmm. It, there's not that many games that you're going to play 20, 30 times over unless it's really small, plays quick. You know, those are the ones that you'll play 50, 100 times, whatever. But the bigger games, and you're going to play like a handful of times, likely, maybe more, but unlikely. Um, and you can create, from a designer's perspective, you can create some really cool experiences. Uh, it's really shocking to someone when they're like, here, destroy this card. They're like, what? I, yeah. it's, it's a game piece. I have to destroy it? Are you insane? Um, you we're playing... Right? <laughs> <laughs> we're playing the Legacy for Clank. Uh, Clank Legacy. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And um, we're destroying things in various ways. Like, oh, I'm going to burn this card, or I'm going to cut this one up, or fold it up, or whatever. And we're keeping all the pieces in a bag, mm. just to sh- you know have like this collection of all the things that have been ruined, you know, in the game. But the ones that I think that do it the best are the ones that allow you to, to have that replayability at the end. So um, Clank Legacy, once you get done, you've got a special version of Clank, Le- Clank mm-hmm. that you can play. You can right. keep playing the game after you're done with the Legacy aspect. Same thing with uh, Charterstone. Yep. Uh, once you get done with Charterstone, you can keep playing that one. So I think that's the better user experience um but still i mean having different options i mean time stories that's kind of a legacy game you're not destroying anything but you're you're going through it one time and uncovering new things as you go along once you've done it you've done it yeah Mm -hmm. you've already spoiled the story again that's that's okay right because you're it's like a book like you're you know what happens pass it off to someone else you know like Hey, you, my you know friend down the street or whatever. Like we play occasionally. Have this game because I've already gone through it. You can have this experience now too. Yeah, yeah. It's like I have a friend that bought um, Mice and Mystics, and it's a great game, but it's very, it's it's very much a story within the game. Yeah. And so we played it once, and we played the story, and at that point, like, yeah, we could. It's like playing a module for an RPG at that point. Like we could play it again, but we pretty much know what's going to happen, and so the the experience of playing it is lessened every single time. And so at that point, he didn't say we played it, and he handed it off to somebody else at that point because yeah. we played it, we know the story, it was fun, we had a great time with it, and now it's time to move on. So you know. I, for a legacy game then to be able to give you that experience over 12 or 15 games as opposed to one or two, I think, you know, like you said, Deshaun definitely allows you to get your money out of a game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it too, sometimes it forces you to play a game more times than you would, you know, we would have sat down and played pandemic a handful of times but we definitely wouldn't have played it as many times as we played Legacy and One, Legacy Two. You know, all all told, we played we played those games thirty times, where yeah. you know over the course of a few years, where we definitely wouldn't have played Pandemic that many times. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I guess I'm the odd one out. Then I, I mean, I think yes. we probably played Crusaders 
shit, I don't know, 25 times last year. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, in addition to – we play like three days a week, right? I mean, yeah. you know, we our schedules sort of cross over. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we play games. Um, so I get to play quite a bit. But, I mean, we played – so I, I, I backed the Showdown, the Samurai card game on Kickstarter oh, yeah. a while back. And we had to sleeve the cards because they were all fucked up. We played it so much. It's a big stack, right? So you're always shuffling everything. We played, and and we only cast, like, we would play um, a series, and whoever wound up winning the most at the end, we counted that, like, as as a single game, hmm. even though we might have played, you know, four, five, six rounds. We played, and it, of course, that's, like, a super quick game. It was, like, 58 or 59 times last year. <laughs> it was, like, you know, we play... Um, you know, like through the desert, which may take, you know, a half an hour, 40 minutes, maybe if you're like, ah, I can't decide where I want to go. And then we would take up the remaining 20 minutes and play like showdowns. So like we played mm. it a shit though. Um, so I don't like, man, I don't know. We play games a lot. Like we play the, a lot of the same games over and over again, too. Mm. So I, I guess I'm probably like on the low side of the bell curve. I mean, I think it's, you know, we have, um, we we have unstable unicorns and it's a fun really fast card game and you know same thing i don't even bother counting how many times we actually play it anymore i count like when we play it i just count that as one time yeah 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 because when you sit down you sit down for a half hour but you play the game three or four times so right well, i think to your point are- john i think there's experiences that you're getting by playing, especially like you know, a game like Citrus or the more like medium weights kind of stuff, mm. playing those repeatedly, you're uncovering um, elements of the game that m- people that play like you know two or three times mm-hmm. are probably not discovering. Right. Like there's usually like different strategies. Like oh wow, I you know I'm sure you're uncovering like ten games in. Like oh crap, you know there's this combo that I hadn't seen before or a way of linking things together that's really cool that you know mm. your initial plays you're not going to uncover. So oh wow, the first ten times we played this, we played it completely <laughs> the fucking wrong way. And like oh, I checked the rule book and like we did this whole thing wrong. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> Happens more before. often than I would like to yeah. admit. <laughs> oh my lord! Uh, I'll, I'll out myself here. Um, throw myself under the bus. So uh, at this, um, oh god, we were together for a weekend. We were doing some gameplays, and and I had to jam right. So one of the groups they were wanting to play uh, this bigger Euro game, uh, Rise to Nobility, and I'm like, uh, I, I guess I have time to teach you, but I have to. I have a hard out at very specific time. Mm. So we'd set it up and, and time's getting close. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm, I'm trying to go through the teach really quick. And as I was setting up, like there's because of the player count, it, re, it added in a different element that I had no idea about. <laughs> and I'm like, crap, I don't know how to teach this part of it. I'm leaving this out. I don't have time to teach this thing that I know nothing about. So I'm, I'm quickly teaching worst teach ever i like i skipped different couple of things i just completely forgot about and as i'm trying to rush teach this thing um they tried to marshal through it for about two hours or like and they're looking at the rule book like hey he forgot this he forgot that I'm like <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm ever done <laughs> so yeah sometimes mistakes happen in teaching oh yeah 
I mean, that's a great thing about YouTube. Uh, you know, Rodney Smith is great. I always try to go there first to watch it played to see, does he have this? And then I'll, I'll go there first. And then like descending order, I'll just do like random Google search and see what else mm. I can, I can turn up. Cause he's great. And there's, then there's other people that do it well too. And some people that really kind of just do review more than they do like actual playthrough. Um, and, and it's, it's a great resource. Cause I'll read the book and I'll be like, well, it doesn't say this, but it doesn't not, not say this. So I don't know, like it could be either one of these things. Cause it doesn't like, I'm too stupid to figure it out. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's great that like that, that's my first go-to and then I read the book and mm. then go through it, maybe set the board up and maybe do like a, you know, a, a couple of fake turns to figure out like, okay, we, well, these pieces are in the right spot. And like, okay, we're going to do this and that. Okay, cool. I think I got it. And then like you had picked up Sola Fide and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And it's got a history aspect and it seems kind of cool. And then I, I found it at Rincon at the flea market. So I got it for like I don't know, 15 bucks or something. Oh, wow. wow. They played it wrong for fuck. I don't know how many times. <laughs> and then I'm like, we, we hadn't played it for a little bit. So I brought it in. I'm like, all right, let me review. The- no, that's wrong. Oh, fuck, we never did shit. We never did that like ever <laughs> because I, because I even asked you, I'm like, this seems like really unbalanced because like these things, like the way these things are working together, I don't even remember what it was at this point. Um, like it, I don't like, I feel like I should like it, but like this is throwing me off and we didn't do it right. And then when we played it right, I'm like, Oh, I like this now. <laughs> this makes sense. <sighs> ah, fuck. <laughs> yeah. If I feel like a game is like something's not gelling right in this game. It's probably because I screwed something up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go back and look at the rules. Like, oh, yeah, that's what I messed up. It's, oh, my God. It's almost like the more bolded and more obvious that you make a rule, the more likely I am to miss it. Mm-hmm. In my first <laughs> so I've been trying to, like, actually, like, sit down. I'll get a game out. I'll set it up. I'll set it up for three players. And, like, okay, player one is going to have this strategy. Player two is going to have this strategy. Just make it easy on myself. And I'll play through like multiple rounds just to make sure I feel like I'm, you know, getting everything. And I'm like walking through the steps like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, we got it. Just to make sure I don't have abysmal teachers anymore. (laughs) This still happens. So how many times when, uh, and uh, I've I've found this happening when, you know, if I do an adventure in an RPG or something like that. But how many times when designing a game, do you, you know the rules, right? But so how many times do you hand the game to somebody else and they go, all right, well, what does this mean? Like, why is this over here in the rule books instead of here? Like, why did you word it like this? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, a lot, uh, especially if you're doing play tests. <laughs> um, so when you're in the earlier stages, people definitely have lots of questions. Um some people just go with it, like whatever you tell them, like, okay, that's the thing. Sure. That's what we do. Um, the more gamer focused people, the deeper gamers, they'll ask you questions about, mm-hmm. well, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? Or they'll offer like, Hey, you should add in this thing or you should add in that thing. Sometimes they're on a good track. Sometimes like, mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I always, I'm always polite to people like, oh, thank mm-hmm. you. I really appreciate your input. 
Yeah. But in my head, I'm thinking that's just the wrong thing to do in this game. <laughs> yeah, that's you clearly this do not about at all. In this game, <laughs> but it's not their job to have the grand scope of the game in their mind, right? Right. So I appreciate every, all the input that I get from all my playtesters, regardless of you know whether their input's helpful or not. The fact that they're playing and engaging with it is always helpful. Um, mm -hmm. When you're at the point where like, okay, everything's locked in. Uh, and you've got your rules written up, then definitely, like, we'll just set people down, go, here, read the rules, you teach me the game, teach me how to play. Mm. And then I can find out where, you know, things are wrong or things are broken or what people aren't figuring out for, you know, mm. various reasons. Nice. And, and it's funny because in an R, you know, in an RPG sense, if you forget a rule, get a rule wrong or whatever, like, you just, you know, you trust in the GM to run a good game and you just kind of roll with it. And then maybe after the session, you're like, hey, you know, I, I screwed that up. Or like, you know, if the player comes like, I don't know if that was right. I, <laughs> I mean, it worked out like we had a good time. It was whatever. But like, eh, maybe we want to check on that. Mm. Right. We're in a board game. Like if you get something wrong, you're, you're bored. Your game's fucked. Like you can't play it. You know, like an RPG. If you get something wrong, that's one it, that's something that might come up once or twice in a three or four hour session. But yeah. in a board game, if you get a mechanic wrong, chances are that becomes wrong every single round for the whole game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, yeah. So, it, you know, we're talking about like 2% of the game being messed up versus now 30% of the game <laughs> being messed up. <laughs> It was funny. The guy I work with, they always break my balls. It's like, oh, you're cheating. And I'm like, we both played it the same way. It was wrong. But like, I just, <laughs> give me a break. Like 150 <laughs> some odd games here. Like I'm the one that's got to buy them and learn them and teach them. You know? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> you, you get a pass if you're always the rules teacher. Yeah. Come on. We got a break. Right. You're, that, I mean, you're, you're putting a lot of work into it. It's, I mean, like like a GM does, right? If you're a GM, you're you're creating your your scenario. You're thinking about like what the player's going to do. You're coming up with, you know, story beats and you know different encounters, all that kind of stuff. As a teacher, you're kind of doing the same thing, right? You're learning how the systems work and mm. okay, how's what's the best way I can explain this game to everybody? Like, what are the things that I need to hit first and then I need to hit last and you know what, what things do I need to really focus on? Because it's it's important to know this aspect of, you know, of this mechanic or whatever. So right. we put a lot of effort into what we're doing. So, you know, thanking your teacher at the end, going, "Hey, you, you screwed up, but it's okay. We appreciate all your all your work that you've done." I <laughs> mm -hmm. think that's a nice thing to do. Yeah, I, I always consider like the first game, especially when I take something new to work. I'm like, you know, this this is like we're going, you know, victory points is the thing. So like, keep that in mind. We want to get the most victory points. So then like, all right, so we have to do this thing and this thing and this, and then blah, blah, blah. And we'll go through it and be like, just ask a ton of questions. We'll, we'll just kind of like talk it out. Like, like maybe we don't even count this first game if it goes bad, but like, let's just kind of work through it. And then like, if I wind up getting a chance to play with my brother first, like, all right, I already played this and I kind of have an idea of like how I want to play it. So like just work it through and like, and I'll give pointers, be like, you know, like oh, I'm going to take this. And I'm like, do you want to take that? Or do you want to take this? Cause if you take this, it's going to fuck me over here because clearly my next move is to do this mm -hmm. because you know, whatever. 
So we, you know, we kind of like go back and forth a little bit. And I try to like help them with the strategy part of it, especially for something new. If I feel like I watched two and a half hours worth of videos between Gold West and Warchest, so I could prepare to play them. So I'm like, I think I got this already. And I'm already kind of like working a straw. Okay, well, if I do this and that, okay, cool. It's like I'm already going in loaded. And then I want to feel like I'm taking advantage and being like, yeah, do this thing here. You know, like, all right, here's your pieces. Go ahead. You got to like play them to the board or do whatever your thing <laughs> is. You know, like, all right. So if you do this, you know, like just to kind of help kind of solidify the strategy. Sort of like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, I, I understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. I always feel bad if I win in a game that I'm first teaching. It's rarely that I do. <laughs> but if I if I happen to, I'm like, I feel bad. I won. I, it's weird. Because I, yeah, I, I do the exact same thing. I'll, I'll point out things. I'll, I'll, I'll usually ask people first, you know, because I don't want to, like, make assumptions. Um, but I was like, hey, would you like some pointers? Or, like, you know, give, gives you some advice. And I'll be honest with them. And I'll usually try and use myself as the target. Like, hey, like you said, if you do this thing over here, that's really going to screw me up. Because see what I've got here? Yeah, I'm really wanting that thing. So <laughs> if you take it, yeah. I'm effed. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. I'll take that. <laughs> Yay, I'm effed. Okay, I'll figure out else. <laughs> you always got to throw the caveat out, though. Like, I really want that one. But I could also take this one over here. So just so you know, yeah. I'm telling you, you should probably take this. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to, like, still have a good turn. Yeah. Mm. So, like, do what you want to do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we have the problem I, with uh, our, we got huge into Catan for a while. And to the point, like, we have, we own every single expansion for it. Not only the expansion, but most of the five to six player expansions as well. And we played with a group of people constantly, at least a couple of times a month for years. They moved away. And now we have no one to play with. And so we run into the situation of do we like, do we teach the game to these new people? But like, we'll run the game for a while. <laughs> and like, how much will they really be learned? Because we've been playing it for a long time. We have our strategies. We know what we're doing. And the couple of times we've introduced new people to the game, like it takes them a while to get it. And like my wife, she she crushes every single game regardless <laughs> even with people who do play all the time and so like we're like a handful of rounds in like i have seven points they have three points and she's like boom 15 games over we're like <laughs> all right <laughs> did you have fun no <laughs> well and that is kind of the thing too when you're teaching is you want the person or people that you're teaching to come away with a good experience right and, and feel like you know, this was cool. And like, I was in it, like I was starting to get it. Like, Oh, you, you know, you won, but man, it was really close. Like I, if I would have done this one thing that you were talking about, like I would have won, you know, as opposed yeah. to like, Oh yeah, I, I beat you by like 60 points. <laughs> right. It's, I think it's a tough situation because we like, we want to play the game still. And so we, it's that, it's that point where you have to, you have to realize I'm, teaching this to somebody new like you said so i can't play the way i normally would like mm -hmm. i have to kind of pull it back and allow them to do things that i normally wouldn't do just to a get them hooked and b to get them to actually learn the strategies of the game yeah and a lot of times I'll, I'll go ahead 
Uh, some of the things I was just going to say a lot of times. (laughs) John, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) I was just going to say real quick. So a lot of times when we play, I'll like talk through a turn. Like I'll kind of like give my internal monologue. Like, well, you know, I was thinking about taking this, but like this looks really good too. And like, this might be worth, this might be short sighted. It'll give me a lot of points now, but if I think if I do that, it might give me more points later. I'm going to do this. You know, especially when something's new, again, to kind of like talk out the strategy a little bit, kind of like, you know, kind of be in that headspace and kind of like give some of that information. So like if he's not thinking that way, he's just like, oh, I'm just going to keep taking this because this is worth a lot of points. I'm just going to do this one thing. Be like, well, if you if you start looking towards end game, like maybe you want to invest some resources over here. Maybe you want to, you know, take a look at these bonus cards or you know, whatever, just try to like kind of talk that out. And, mm. you know, you lose sometimes when you play like that, but <laughs> you know, it, it leads for a better experience for the other players mm. to like, you know, have that, you know, so it's, it's, it's a fine line. Cause you, you know, always just like, I want to win. And I'm like, Oh, all right, let me, I'm going to try to help, you know? <laughs> uh, if I know a game really well and I'm teaching people that I've never played before, I'll usually try to go for some really bizarre strategy. Like, okay, what happens if I do this strange thing or, you know, look for some unique way to try and eke out points that is antithetical to how the game plays or, you know, it's like, this is probably not the most smartest strategy, but let's see if it works. Uh, And if I'm doing something like that, I'll also caveat to everybody. Like, don't really pay attention to what I'm doing because I'm doing something that's <laughs> probably not the smartest way to play. I will help you if you have questions and give you better ideas and strategies. Don't pay attention to me. Like, ignore what I'm doing. I'm I'm in crazy town. So, yeah. No, that's actually interesting because you get... Uh, uh, it allows you to get a different viewpoint on a game that you normally wouldn't if you were playing to win. You can kind of... Uh, you can experiment with different mechanics or look at a different aspect of the game, look at it from a different point of view. And you might actually end up walking away with a new experience and a new way of looking at the game. Yeah, totally. And it speaks to what you were talking about earlier about, you know, when you get those, you know, 10 plays in, 15 plays in mm. to uncover different parts of the game where you can, you know, look at something weird and go, well, this is probably dumb, but this is an interesting thing to kind of parse out and see what happens and how does that affect, you know, the gameplay. And then and, and like Jesse said, come away with a different experience then. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. We should probably start wrapping things up here. We're like two hours already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Sean, what, what, what kind of things do you have coming up for thing games? Thing oh, 12 gosh. games. Uh, what, what are you guys working on? What's new? What's happening? Uh, lots of stuff, as always. Uh, so we've got Dice of Pirates coming out probably in April. Uh, should Dice be hitting Kickstarter or Dice of Dragons? Jeez, <laughs> Dice, of Dragons. Uh, Dice of Dragons. Yes, thank you. Uh, like I said, probably coming in April. Uh, we've got the three D printed prototypes, and we're starting to reach out to people. I'll be getting people, you know, reviewers, early copies. Um, we're going to Gamma. Uh, well. We're going to Dice Tower West, uh, mostly with our podcast, uh, the Board Game Alliance, and we're going to be there from Tuesday through Sunday for all kinds of gaming craziness. And then um, 
I get back and like less than a week later, I'm heading off back to uh, Nevada so I can go to Gamma uh, wow. for Thing 12 and then showing that off to different publishers and, and re reviewers and, you know, store owners and all that kind of stuff. Mostly focusing on Seals of Cthulhu and our upcoming one um, for manufacturing, uh, the Dinos Not Assembled game. So that's going in, and uh, there's a couple of games that we're working on that we're going to uh, just straight publish and not take to Kickstarter. Uh, one of those is called <laughs> uh, Puppy Pile. So <laughs> it's this is a game right up your alley, right? <laughs> <laughs> the most adorable looking uh, art in the in, that we've been able to put together. Um, these really cute puppies and you've basically got this big row and they're all fighting to be in a bed. And so you're <laughs> jostling around the, the dog's positions and you've got a secret dog that you're kind of like focused on and you're trying to make sure your dog can be the one on top, uh, you know, not at the bottom and there's all mm -hmm. kinds of craziness. There's a little bit of take that to it too. It's really fun. Uh, there's another one they're working on called matches. Uh, it's another one that we want to self publish. Uh, we're doing some really interesting things with, uh, the the box and develop and design that to make it look really cool. It's going to be loosely set in the Seals of Cthulhu world. Huh, and uh, I'll just kind of leave that out there. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's a lot of things we're working on. Nice. That's cool. Uh, I'm assuming you're going to come on when uh, Dragons comes out. Maybe we get oh, Badger yeah. on again. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> to get out there. <laughs> We're working with cool. two different, uh, some other designers as well, because like Pirates and Crowns has a tie together, a game that you can play with both of those. With Dragons, you'll be able to play Dragons versus Pirates and Dragons versus Crowns. Oh, so nice. You're essentially getting three different games when you uh, when you're back for that one. So I was wondering whether all, because I know Pirates and Crowns you can play together. I was wondering mm -hmm. if all three would fit together simultaneously or if it was going to be sort of like, you know, this one and this one or that one and that one. We may be working on something that allows <laughs> you to have all three together at once. Interesting. <laughs> Exclusies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. Very cool. Uh, anything else you want to plug? I, we've got links in the show notes for thing 12. So um, actually I'm going to, so I'm all, I'm going to email you the, the link for that app that I was talking about that lets you basically take your BGG collection and plug it in and mm. get lots of heuristics. Uh, it's really, really cool and really useful. Just if nothing else, if you're just setting up a game day and you want, you've got X number of players, sometimes it's kind of difficult to figure out like what games you have that fit into that criteria. Uh, this is great for that. So I'll, uh, I'll give that to you and you can put it in the show notes. Cool. Awesome. I already, I have all my games separated by like player size, so like oh, wow, <laughs> it gets a little dicey after like two to four. It's like, do I put the two to six with the two to four, or like like because like, like, the box size is the same? Well, like the two players are all separated from from everything else, and eh, whatever. Wow. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I'm not OCD at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, Jesse, what are you what are you up to? Uh same old, same old. I'm on Legends all the time. True. And and we're still uh we're still pumping out Monster Hunt cast 
episodes. We just we actually just had a new one drop this week, episode thirteen. So and uh, and we're just plugging along with that, trying to get more listeners and more followers and all that jazz. And uh, yeah, just hoping that you guys don't die anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we've already put that to the test once already. Yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> Or at the very least, if you die, it's a heroic death. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, do you want to give a synopsis of what the podcast is? Sure, why not? Um, so uh, uh, going on the theme of legacy, it's basically a legacy podcast that feeds off of the previous one that we uh, that I ran. The Dragon uh, so Fisters. It, yep, Dragon Fisters. So it takes place uh, about a year or so after the uh the collapse of that world the collapse and rebuilding of it and now uh all the continents are all split apart and there's uh dangerous and deadly creatures wandering around and new monsters and new people and everything and so everybody is kind of uh huddled up into in spaces behind their walls and the party is part of the uh hunters guild that whose job it is to basically look, uh, explore the region around them and uh, discover the new deadly threats and either tame them, uh, move them or eliminate them if necessary. And so far, you know, you really haven't done any of that, but learning experiences. <laughs> it's the learning experiences of a brand new team. So... <laughs> And, and this iteration uh, is based, I guess, at least loosely on a book called Monster Hunt, right? It was published by who? Who's the author? Ah, yes. Uh, so the uh, Val Cyrene. So I got kind of actually got the uh, idea for it by there. It's 100 Monster Hunts. And so it's basically just uh, giant charts of 100 different uh, little campaign, little adventure ideas. Uh, so he gives you know a synopsis of what it is, and so I've actually turned those into the posters for uh, for the hunts. So I have you guys roll up a certain amount, and uh, that is what gets posted on the wall of the Hunters Guild. So nice, yeah. and, and this this is like what like a twenty year game that's been taking place over uh, multiple not quite different that long, systems. about about twelve years. Twelve years. So, okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We started with uh, started with third edition, and then moved into Pathfinder, and have dipped into Iron Kingdoms a little. Uh, is it Iron Kingdom? Yeah, Iron Kingdoms a little bit, and into uh, now into fifth edition. So, and yeah, I'd... it's the homebrew world that I I foolishly started up when I first started DMing, <laughs> and and then when destroyed. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, when you start, when you first start, I had I had never played D anD D or any other RPG before, so I had no idea about like worlds or even that there were like modules that existed that I could have run. So mm -hmm. I just started running my own homebrew, and it was the worst, best idea I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think that's how a lot of people start, right? A little bit different. They start with the modules. You're like, oh, this is cool. I want to run this thing, and you know, mm. I don't have to like prep anything, you know, right. I, everything, the maps are here, everything is here. 
And then, you know, one, once you kind of get over that hump and you sort of get into a routine and you're like, I, I want to tell this kind of a story and, you know, sort of, you know, blossoms into like, all right, well, I'm going to use this module kind of, but then I'm going to add like all of this stuff. And mm. then that sort of like gradually expands into like, oh, I have this whole world now all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's absolutely what happened, too, is, it, um, you know, during Dragon Fisters, like the whole second campaign was loosely based off of uh, an old AD&D module. So the alt and, campaign, hmm? the alt campaign. No, the uh, when uh, the the main campaign, when they like crossed the mountains hmm. and went over into the highlands, it's all that's all kind of loosely based off. I can't remember what the. Uh, it's like into the wastelands or something like that. Um, you know, so that, and then the third campaign, it, the, the third arc of that is also based off of, um, the Kingmaker Pathfinder series loosely. And so, you know, you, you steal. Yeah. <laughs> it's what, That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. It happens in every aspect. It happens in board games. It happens in books. It happens in RPGs. So, I was lucky enough to be a part of the alternate campaign on the Dragon Fisters and now uh, mm -hmm. to be part of the Monster Hunt cast. So yeah. if Monster Hunt ever ends and you start another podcast, then I'll just have to, you know, jump in on that too, <laughs> right. I guess. <laughs> right. In a few years when everyone's dead, start up a brand new one and you'll be part of that as well. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on. It was uh, it was a pleasure to hang out. Uh, these ones are fun because it's just kind of like, eh, it's just bullshit about like whatever thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to get a chance to sit and talk, right? Because like, mm -hmm. we, you know, you Jesse, you're in Boston. Sean, you're in Washington. I'm out here in Arizona. So like, it's it's great to be able, you know, if you can't get to the cons together and, and hang out and, you know, hoist a beer, this is like, the next best thing. So I'm, right. I'm, I'm glad that you guys were able to, to jump in and, and kind of hang out for a couple hours. Yeah. We've covered the entire country. Holy crap. You go <laughs> yeah. East coast, West yeah. coast and kind of central. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's why I love with the, uh, with the monster hunt, you have you in Nevada or Arizona. And then I have family that we play with in Chicago and then I'm in Boston and then Kevin is over in England. Yeah. So wow. I think we, we span like seven different time zones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kev Kevin plays. So Kevin's in our rogue trader game too. And yep. he gets up at like two in the two? morning to play. And then when we finish, he goes to work. <laughs> wow. That's dedication. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. I, we've probably told this story on the air, but so Kevin, so I used to be on a pod. Yeah, I've been on every podcast. Now I used to be on a <laughs> podcast called Nerdbound, which is kind of where I met Jesse. Well, not kind of, that's where, mm -hmm. that's where I met Jesse. Yeah. Um, and Kevin was a listener of Nerdbound, which was Neil's podcast. It's, it's all, it's like onions. It's a layers, layers upon layers. So it's all inbreeding. Yeah. 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 So when I started the podcast, of course, I called Neil and I'm like, hey, you got to get in on this. I'm like, Jesse, hey, you got to get in on this. Like, let's do like a whole thing. So when we started doing the actual play stuff with Oscar, the campaign for um, whatever the fuck the name of that. I can't remember the name of the system because I never played it back in the 80s. Uh, the sci-fi thing. Anyway, um, but the campaign died. And I'm like, shit, what do I do? I don't have, like, the queue's not that big. Like, fuck, I already committed to running all these games. 
So I talked to Neil and I said, hey, can I run some of those old Nerdbound games? But just the stuff that I'm in, right? It's got to be on brand. So I started running those. And out of billions of people on the planet, Kevin heard the podcast. And I'd scrubbed all the Nerdbound bumpers and stuff out. And he like tweeted at me or sent me an email or something. He was like, hey, was that one of those like Nerdbound? Like you're, are you the guy from Nerdbound or whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Neil's like on the thing. He's like, oh shit. I used to listen to Nerdbound way back when. And I'm like, holy shit. What are the odds that you would find the podcast? Like out of all the podcasts in the world. So I'm like, shit, well, you got to like jump on now. Right. So like then he jumped in and joined our rogue trader game. And uh, Kevin's run a couple of call of Cthulhu scenarios for us too. Uh, So that was like, it was just, it, it was the most bizarre happenstance. And it was just so cool then to like bring him into the fold as like a former listener of Nerdbound 12 years ago or whatever, 15 years ago to, to have him find and come to the show. Like, it's just a really weird bit of synchronicity. Yeah. It's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's what's so cool about the Internet now is that, you know, that there's such a camaraderie that happens within so many places there's not you know especially like board games and podcasts you could be very contentious you could be like oh you like people are either going to be by my game or your game so why should i talk to you or people are going to listen to my podcast or your podcast but that almost never happens there's so many people everybody is just so friendly and so welcoming and so helpful that you know it's it's nice that it took that turn instead of the more adversarial aspect so yeah that that that's been my experience as well and it and it's just so cool to be a part of that like we had you know Ross Payton on and Caleb Stokes on when he was doing red markets and these are like the OG guys like these guys have been around since like 2008 2000 right. you know I cut my teeth listening to these guys and it's like hey you know would you be interested oh yeah yeah come on it's cool like uh I mean, when I was on Nerdbound still and we were, you know, trying to help them get more exposure and do whatever, you know, like I had sent Ross an email and I'm like, hey, you know, like, would it be possible to like jump in a hangout? And like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help these guys out and like, you know, trying to get more exposure and just kind of like, you know, get some pointers and stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, like uh, shoot me an email on Friday. We'll 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 do a thing. And I'm like, really? Like, it was, <laughs> is that, like, it's that easy? Cool. Like, cool. You know, um, you know, we had Casey Whalen on like a billion downloads for we're alive. Mm. Like he doesn't have to come on this show, you know, but like he came on, like we had a great conversation. Like it was just the coolest thing ever. And he was very, you know, like happy to be there. Just like had a good time. And it's, it's such a cool community. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I've never experienced that sort of like, Oh no, I could never like do your thing. Like, why would I do your thing? You know? Right. Um, Which which is very cool. And And I, and I kind of feel like for even for Kickstarter stuff, like, you know, and it's obviously much more competitive because you guys are all in business, but there is still some of that overlap where you see like with, you know, Matt Mercer bringing more people into the hobby and, you know, more people to listen to the podcast and stuff, you know, Kickstarter sort of had that same effect. I, I feel like for board games where like it's bringing more people to the table. So there's still that competition between, you know, um, you know, maybe TMG and, and come on 
um, more so than or CMON, uh, than like, you know, say for you guys, because you guys are doing like smaller box games, things like that, where it's not so much of a direct competition, you know? It's sort of. I mean, you're all competing on the Kickstarter platform for visibility and, and all that sort of stuff, but it's not that super adversarial competition. Uh, like you were saying, I mean, it really is, you know, working together. Like, you know, I've had people give me pointers when we were starting out uh, as far as Kickstarter goes, like, you know, telling me things that I hadn't thought about before. And I do the exact same thing. I, you know, I pay that forward and I'll see someone, you know, hey, my Kickstarter's up, you know, if, you know they'll post it on, on Facebook, you know, some of the different groups and ask for input and I'll jump in there and like, hey, here's some things that you might want to do differently and here's why and blah, blah, blah. And I'll link them to Stegmeyer's blog because they probably didn't know about that or... Mm-hmm. If I see someone's Kickstarter that's up, you know, I might actually like jump in and tell them some stuff that like see that they can probably tweak a little to be a little bit better. Um, Stephen Bonacore from Stronghold Games, one of the things that he was quoted as saying is that the rising tide floats all boats. Mm-hmm. And it's very true. Like, you know, there's just that people that are gamers play lots of games. So it's not like, yeah. hey, <laughs> you got my game. You're never playing another one. <laughs> right. like, yeah, that's not happening. So. You know, you can play my game and play their game and play mm-hmm. his game and her game and you know and yeah. have a fun together. Right. And the chances are is if if somebody buys one game but then they have say they've retweeted you about your game or you've retweeted them or even a little interaction like that, that might make them, you know, once they like that game, that's a connection that they may like, okay, well if I like this and this this developer also likes this guy. Maybe I'll go over here and try his game as well. Yeah. So in that case, being friendly and helping each other out can actually benefit you. So, yeah, it's almost like not being a dick makes, uh, <laughs> makes it a little more palatable to people. <laughs> it's weird how that works. <laughs> Mm, if we could only bring all of that forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then, then we restarted the show. <laughs> well, well, yeah, Devin, I, I, I love having you guys on. I, I love getting a, a chance to, to chat board games and, and RPG stuff and just, you know, other stuff off the air. Like it's, it's just great to like connect and reconnect and, and, and hang out. I, I appreciate you guys coming out and, and spending the time. Well, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We should probably do this a little bit more often. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, there's links for everybody's stuff in the show notes. Uh, Jess, I should probably throw a link for your Twitter in the show notes as well. And, yeah, why not? Uh, and for you, Sean, I didn't think about that. I did like websites. I'm like, let me throw a website. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I run like, a podcast. Like, Nobody goes to my website. That's, that's true. I know the feeling. <laughs> right. Twitter's where it's at. Yep. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody else for tuning in and checking this out, uh, downloading and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you could leave a review on iTunes or whatever your podcatcher of choices, that stuff is super helpful. And for Monster Hunt as well, if you're into D&D, if you like that kind of stuff, uh, please check out Monster Hunt, check out Jesse's podcast. And if you like it, 
leave a review for that as well. Just helps uh, bring up the profile, the visibility so that we get noticed and uh, maybe on someone else's radar as well. Uh, we do have our sponsor, uh, Birds of a Feather Coffee Company. They have the legendary brew. It's a smooth, easy drinking, medium roast coffee. It's roasted to order, so it's not sitting around anywhere. So when you put your order in, it'll be roasted shortly after. So you're going to get it as fresh as you can. Uh, I suggest doing the French press, but if you're not into that, the drip is tasty as well. Uh, I've had it that way as well. Um, so Use please check them out. Legend 10. Use the promo code LEGENDS10. You're going to get 10% off your order, and shipping is always free. Uh, you could also use that code LEGENDS10 on their other birds products. Uh, the link There's a link in the show notes for that. But if you go to tinyurl.com forward slash legendary brew, it's going to take us right to the legendary brew page. And then if you click on the birds banner at the top of that, it'll take you to the regular page where you can find the night owl blend, the morning lark, and the hummingbird. It's a decaf, a light roast, and a dark roast. Uh, the dark roast, the night owl blend was my favorite before the legendary brew because, you know, you got to buy your own stuff. Yeah, there's a joke there, and I'm, I'm just not going to take it. Um, <laughs> so please check out all that stuff. Thank you for watching, and we'll catch you next. Oh, one more thing. Oh, scratch that. I'm going to have to edit that out. Our Patreon is up. It has content on it. I've been posting what? fairly regularly. Um, <laughs> we're reaching the point of synchronicity where all of the games are going to merge and be caught up to the current timeline. And then we'll be posting as games are happening. Uh, older games are not separated so well as far as having a distinct post show. So some of the stuff that goes up there does not have a distinct post show. Uh, and there's too much of a cue for me to go back and edit it. So it is what it is. Uh, but everything moving forward since the end of last year uh, is in the new format. So there is a distinct and separate post show that's available on Patreon. So please check that out as well. If you feel like throwing a couple of bucks at the show, that's great. Uh, we're going to do this anyway for spite. So even if you don't throw any money at the show, <laughs> you're stuck with us. So good for you. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.